Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live.
that front piece while I'm waiting for him to get out of here. Heard something. I heard something. Hello? There he is. I thought I heard something coming there. You got it. You there? Yep. All right. You sound good, too. Okay. Well, as far as the picture thing goes, the links like that I can't do anything with because I can't figure out any way to copy them. Right. I need an actual copy, like take a picture of the screen or whatever the hell it takes. Uh-huh. Uh, that's something I can use. Send me a picture. I can do all kinds of things with it. If you right. get a picture of like those areas with the where it shows all the nice grid and the little arrow and the uh, satellite image under it and whatnot, beautiful. You know, if you get a, li- a little bit, did not you, very you, much, but did, like a little bit wider view of it. Once I have a pic of that, I can crop it and make like even a fake zoom and stuff. But I can't uh-huh. do anything with a link. I don't have a copy of the actual picture. Oh yeah. No, those one other ones I sent you of the um, the petroglyphs area, it was those okay or? Um, hmm, good question. I can look it up. Yeah, those drop pin ones that you did, if you can get actual images of those, they'd be great. It was good, right? Yeah, they look spectacular if I had an actual image, but the link isn't doing me anything. You can't download a picture of it. Oh, you can't? Nope. Okay. That's why I'm saying get a picture, send me the picture, because I can't download it. Yeah. What I can do. I don't know how how I can do that. I computer is down. uh, You got a week or so to figure it out. Yeah. If not, my roommate's coming back from vacation about the middle of the week, and then I can find out from him. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, we'll figure it out somehow. (laughs) Turn the page back here and find it. Michigan Bigfoot, watch that. That was a piece of disinformation. What's that? Oh, that quack they had on there. That It's like the guy wasn't even qualified in the first place, didn't believe in Bigfoot. Some publishers probably being paid by the CIA said, let's make a book debunking Bigfoot. Hey, do you want to write it? I'll give you the ticket to like drive all over and investigate. Oh, sure, I'll write the book. Yeah, okay, great expert. <laughs> I can debunk every fucking thing that he said and easily. Some idiot, huh? Yep. Um, what are you talking about? The link to, let's see, we're way back to the police link here. To Michigan Police and Sanilac. Which one are you talking about? Uh, I'm talking about the, uh, the Sanilac Petroglyphs, the map. 
the Google uh, image? Google, no, if it's any kind of Google image, it's not doing me any good. It's just a link. It's not the okay. image. Okay. So those are, none of those do me any good. Okay. Links do anything. Don't 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 do me any good. It's not anything. The, image, not the actual video. Anything on the maps, you ain't getting it. Okay. No. If you if you actually take the image from it that you're looking at and send me the image, yeah, I can use it. I, All I, I get is a link that I can't download right. an image. Of. I tried I tried doing that, putting it on the device, and and there's um I tried putting uh, you know device pictures and stuff like that, and I still can't get it. You know. Yeah, you probably can't do it on a phone. You need an actual computer. Yeah, I, I suppose yeah. Yeah, those phones are worthless. That's why I don't bother to have a smartphone. Just a waste of yeah. money. I have a computer. I, I can do all that shit with it. I could also go down to the library someday and use their computers and download some stuff on there, you know, from there. So. Yeah, you know what the places are and what you're looking at. All you have to do is just go to the same pin drops that you've got on your phone and capture mm-hmm. images of them with the Google image from satellite so it looks all pretty. Oh, there's a yeah. there, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Because right. I can do, like I said, once I have the image, I can do zooms and stuff too because I can crop and do fades between and make it just like you're zooming in on the image and uh-huh. looking at closer parts of it and stuff. Or, you know, uh-huh. like Photoshop in a circle or an arrow pointing or something or whatever, you know. So, But I can't right. do anything if I don't have the image. Right. Um, same thing with video. Sending me a link to video doesn't do me any good. Maybe I have to yeah. video. So, alrighty then. Well, let me see. Um, if, is there anything specifically that we needed to talk about before we start recording? Uh, well, I, I don't know. What, what's your format? Are we going like the earlier beginnings of the area and then um, of, of of the thumb area? What's the plot? How you how you going to do this? Well, do you want to? Are you coming on as? Uh, are you coming on as an experiencer or as somebody that's actually a researcher in the area? I guess that determines it. I am not a researcher, that's for sure. Um, okay. I, uh, so then let's start with your encounters, and then from there you can explain how you got interested. You know, did your interest start before you had an encounter? Uh, you know, were you, like, peripherally interested in it, and then shit happened and made you really interested in it? Did it all start after you had an encounter? And then from there, obviously, you did investigations in the area where shit happened to you and found out that a bunch of other stuff had happened there. And that's uh-huh. how you can lead into that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. If you want to do something like that. Okay. Well, even the, you know, quote-unquote experts that I have on my show always have experiences that they're talking I don't know if you've noticed that, but it's like a very experience-heavy show. Even if we're doing a roundtable or something, it's like everybody on there has seen a Bigfoot and at least one, if not multiple, experiences. Oh, and by the way, I did a bunch of other poking around in this area and found out this, you know, and that's just the way they are. So you're no Uh different. You just haven't spent lots and lots and lots of time being out in the field and doing stuff, apparently. I don't know. Maybe you have. That's all a researcher is. Uh, well, I'm I'm just a hunter, and you know, and uh, yeah, most of these guys that call themselves researchers and stuff really aren't. Most of the people that actually are don't call themselves researchers or write books. So, 
like, don't worry about the title researcher. I don't really use that one anyway. It doesn't matter. Right. Sounds idiot. Sounds kind of dumb anyways. Anyways. Well, anyway, try and keep swearing to a minimum. Um, Just always call me Duke, because otherwise it gets edited out anyway, and it wastes my time editing it. So none of my friends call me Brian. Everybody calls me Duke, so. Uh Uh-huh. Um, do you, you mind about talking like wh- exactly where you live or do you want to delete such details or? Well, you know, it'd be, be, be kind of nice not, not to show the details of, you know, just to keep that out of there, you know, um, of, of the, I don't know if I should actually you say in Wisconsin, that, do you want to say what part of, what uh, county, what town? Uh, counties, the county's good. Um, okay, huh? That, I said, okay, there you go. So you're in uh, Wausau County, Wisconsin. Is that right? Or are you in a right. different county? Um, me? Hmm? Me, I'm Marathon County in, in central Wisconsin. Here. Marathon County? Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, just down there. I'll just say what central Wisconsin. That's close enough. They don't need to know anything more than that. That's true, too, you know, central Wisconsin. But anyways, um, yeah, like down there at Tuscola County, you know, I can just say in the northern part of, or north, northeast, eastern part of Tuscola County or something, I don't know, or, I don't know, just Tuscola County. Yeah, whatever you want to tell them, I'll just say central Wisconsin, you can be more specific if you want to. Okay, well, let's get, put a little break here in the recording so that I can find it when I'm looking at the sine wave of it. And then uh, I'll get us started here and I'll introduce you. Okay. Three, two, one. Big Sky Howdy. Welcome to another episode of World Bigfoot Radio. I'd like to uh, thank everybody for tuning into the show. Hope you've been enjoying the ones that we've had recently. I've really enjoyed doing them, and this one is going to be just another good one. We finally got somebody to come on the show from. Midwest, which I think is a really overlooked area for Bigfoot, and my guest absolutely agrees with me. They live there. I lived there for many years, and uh, like none of the locals want to believe that it's real or that it could possibly be there, although there's no shortage of sightings, uh, and there's, in my opinion, probably a ton of sightings that have happened there that just nobody will tell it, because why bother? You're not going to make money on it, and everybody's going to ridicule you. Nobody in the area believes it's it's real, so why are you going to tell anybody? Um, so it's just one of those areas, and so you don't you don't have a whole lot of organized research going on there compared to some other parts of the country. There's not a lot of people that talk about their sightings and whatnot, and um, so it's kind of great to have somebody on that's had some experiences with Bigfoot in that part of the country, and subsequently done a little bit of digging to find out other stuff about the area where things happen to them and uh, and what uh, the sort of history is around that, too. So um, should be interesting. And with that, let me bring on our guest, Big D. Welcome to World Bigfoot Radio. Oh, thank you there, um, Duke. All right, man. Great to have you with us here. So now you live in, in central Wisconsin presently, but you've been all over Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, um, you've had experiences. What's your opinion on the area? Um, the uh, 
where I grew up in um, Tuscola County, uh, Michigan, um, if you if you drove around a lot of the area, it's kind of you know mo- mostly farmlands, but there's you know there's there's small pockets of woods here and there, but there's drainage ditches, there's creeks and rivers. It's all interconnected, you know, and um, into uh, other. Um, uh, I would say uh, game reserves and stuff like that. And um, up here in central Wisconsin, there's a lot more woods up here. Um, you got the Wisconsin River that runs up through the middle of the state, and um, it's kind of rugged, rugged country up here. There's, there's um, some high hills, and and um, it's just a beautiful place up there. Yeah, and central Wisconsin is also, of course, the land of the beast of Bray Road, uh, where the whole um, dogman documenting thing sort of started. Um, so there's that going on there, too. That that whole area is sort of like at the north end of where the whole mound builder culture that stretched down the Mississippi was at, correct? Um, yeah, it, uh, it's an area right between uh, Madison and Milwaukee. I believe, in that area there. Um, Elk Mound, it was it called, I think, the town? I think the town was called the Elk, Elk Mound, where the sightings of the brave gold um, beast was uh, um, spotted, I guess. <laughs> that's some scary stuff. Well, that's not the subject of this one. I don't like talking about that. That's way too scary for me. I'll just stick with Bigfoot. That's scary enough. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, I was looking at some of the, the stats. I grew up in Minnesota. I lived in northern Minnesota and central and southern Minnesota and over on northern Wisconsin and uh, east central Wisconsin, so all over that area. And I never really got up into Michigan too much, and I was just looking at statistics on that earlier today. And, uh, you know, for people that live outside the U.S., 58,000 square miles is the size of Michigan. And of that, two-thirds of it is woods. Still, you know. And then, like, northern, uh, the northern half of Wisconsin is mostly woods. And at, at least the northern half of Minnesota is all woods. It's all connected. So, warning bell right there, gigantic woods, all connected, well, easy, you know, for these critters to wander in from somewhere else and be able to get from point A to point B and not have humans spotting them. And then when well, you get down into the southern areas where you've got all of the farmlands and stuff, you've got drainage all over the place. All these areas are connected by rivers and streams and stuff, which, you know, we've already found out through all the other guests we've had on the show, they like to use those for their travel corridors, like little freeways and stuff. So they can get all over the place in that, those areas. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, if you get up into the airplane, I mean, it's just miles and miles of woods, you know, in the middle in the middle of the uh, um, sections of land, you know, um, square miles. It's all, all woods and stuff, a lot of areas. Yeah. So, yes, there is definitely the cover that they need to, to, um, to elude us anyways, you know, um, unseen. Um it's now, not, it's it, no, I don't think people realize how incredibly thick some of the cover is. Some of those swamps and bogs and areas like that, especially like in northern Minnesota and whatnot, where you got a lot of that, it's it's impassable. Unless it's frozen solid, you can't even get across it. My God, you know, oh, <laughs> huge yeah. areas you can't even get to to take a look at what's there. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yes, like up north here in uh, northern Wisconsin and right through the um, uh, UP of Michigan. Yep. If you go up into those areas there, I mean, you couldn't even, you know, step one step off the side of the road and, you know, you're up in your knees in water, you know, uh, yeah. for miles. Yeah. Know? Yeah, a lot of people don't appreciate, they haven't been in the area, they don't really realize what we're talking about. It's A lot of areas are all bog. And they just had a grid work, and they went, well, we're going to make a road straight this way. It happens to go across a bog. So what they do is they'd make a corduroy road initially where they'd cut down a whole bunch of trees, and they'd lay them across where they wanted the road to go and just keep filling it in with those until they had a good bed of uh, of wood to start with, and then they'd lay gravel across that, and it would sink. And they'd add another layer, and it would sink. And that's how the road got built up, and there got to be an embankment there. Yeah, that's what the old logging, during the old logging days, that's what they had done, you know. Yeah. Um, a lot of these present-day present, present day roads around there are old logging roads of uh, of years years gone by, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I'm saying is it's not necessarily a, well, you know, we'll follow the hillside going this way sort of thing. Or, no, it was just impassable. They, they figured out how to make a, a straight road across the middle of a bog so you could go from point A to point B, or you just couldn't even ever get there. And some of these areas, you couldn't build a road like that. Uh, uh-huh. you know, so it, 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 a lot of it's still to this day uh, impassable. Yeah, we've, we've mapped it. We've seen it from satellite. People fly over it. But how often an, a human actually walks through some of these areas really, really rarely maybe decades in between humans being in some of these places. Oh, yes. No no doubt about it. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. So how how far back does your interest in Bigfoot go now? Were you interested in the whole subject um, when you were younger, or did this happen after some experiences? Um, no. Um, you know, I've uh, when I was really young, I, um, I had seen a book in a library, a school library, it was, uh, I think it was called Bigfoot. And um, they had some stories of like uh, Ape Canyon or they had that, you know, some other stories in there and they had a picture of Patty. Um, I'm like, I didn't think it was real, you know, at the time. And of course, years later, I still didn't. Um, But that's when I recognized that you know, there was something out there that was called a Bigfoot or a Sasquatch. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, later in life as I got my lesson, you know. Yeah, and how did that all happen? How, you know, how later in life was it? How old were you the first time that you had an experience that you can, like, later now look back and attribute to maybe? Uh, I was, like, 21 years old. Okay. Yeah, about 21 years old. And I happened here in central Wisconsin. Um, yeah, um, should I go right into the encounter? Or? Oh, well, you know, set us up a little bit. Explain to us where you were, what was going on. But, yeah, go ahead and let us know. Okay, well, um, yeah, I moved here in, in 91 um, to uh, central Wisconsin here. And... Uh, uh, a friend of mine and I, we were big bull hunters, uh, bull hunting deers, and um, decided to go out to a friend's place a few miles out of town and um, do some bull hunting there. 
we're all happy, you know. Uh, two weeks ago, before um, we went out there, I had built a, a little uh, wooden stand up in this tree. And I was looking forward to going up there and having a, getting, getting me a deer. And uh, so we get out there. Uh, this was like in September, and um, we uh, get we drive up into this hay field, you know, back in this hay field, and we get out, get our gear together, and and uh, my buddy he went to the east of east of me. Um, uh, there was like a a, a creek there called uh, Fenwood, Fenwood Creek. I think the name of the creek was called. But um, my friend, he uh, he went to the east of along that river, and I jumped this river to the other side and went straight south. So we were probably a good, I would say, 180 yards away from each other. I was on like the west side, and he was on the east side of the this woods. Hey, I got but, a question uh, for you. You know, in September yeah. in that part of the country, it, it can vary incredibly. What was the cover like at that point? Did you still have green on everything, or was it one of those years where it was already, like, turned color, almost falling off? You, you know, some years here it gets really dry. Other years it's really wet. Um, at that time of the year, it was a dry year. So we had a lot of the trees and everything were kind of mixed. A lot of it was brown and yellow, and okay. there was a lot of greenage yet on the leaves, you know. So it was kind of a it was kind of a dry year, so there wasn't really much color. The but fields there was, were there dry. Was a good amount of cover, though. You hadn't lost any leaves off the trees or anything yet. Um, well, it was you know early September, so not not okay. really, you know. Okay. Yeah. You know. But anyways, uh, yeah, yeah, he went that way, and I went the other way, and and we sat there in our trees stands and um, waited to the golden hour of the, you know, of when things start to move. And um, started getting kind of later in the day and the sun was going down. And uh, it was quiet out. And um, all of a sudden, this this thing in front of me uh, made a, a scream that uh, I've never heard before. And um, it's kind of unnerving. Um, well, I couldn't see anymore. I got out of the tree, and we we both met up by the car, and um, we were both like, uh, "What the heck was that?" You know. And um, we talked about it all the way home. Do you have any idea how far away it, it sounded like it was coming from? Oh, it was it was kind of like uh, my buddy was like straight east of me. Right. And it was probably just a little bit south of us yet. So, God, it was a, uh, it had to have been at least 100 yards away, I would imagine, something like that, uh, to the to the southeast of me, about 100 yards. But it, it when it when it screamed, it, it echoed through the woods, you know. Wow. And. Uh, if you've never heard these things before, it's, uh, it's uh, your hair in the back of your neck stands up, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. Um, 
But uh, yeah, when we we got out of there, and we're we're that's that's all we talked about all all the way home. You know what the heck was that? You know, and uh, well, what did you guys uh, think it was? Did you have any idea? Uh, not really. You know, I uh, I I you know I I've heard all kinds of animals before. I when I grew up, I I watched a lot of um, outdoors movies and stuff, so. I kind of knew what a lot of animals sounded like, but right. I didn't know what the heck made that noise. You know, I never heard of heard of it before. You know, but uh, uh, yeah, that's why we talked about it all the way. You know, all the way home. Um, but uh, the next week we came back, and um, you guys are you, pretty brave. Would you just like decide? Well. Uh, it had to be. Uh, so know, I, Let's go back anyway. I uh, I was the type of guy. I never believed in Bigfoot, and if anybody said anything about Bigfoot, I would ridicule them. I, you know, you're nuts, or you know, you're crazy. You know, I, I was that guy. You know, and um, so nothing scared me. I, you know, I've been in the woods since I was just a little kid, so nothing ever bothered me. Um. So yeah, we went right back out again, and um, well, same time in the evening, came again, and it made this noise again, but it was closer, maybe half that distance. And um, that time, so this was I got group, out of the, the same people again. Huh? Was it the same people again? Yeah, yeah, it was the same guy I was with, you know. Okay. We, so we both came back. Anybody? Okay. Mhm. And um, yeah, we came. We both came back. We could only hunt the weekend, so we had um, we had jobs that we couldn't we couldn't we couldn't hunt in the evenings. Right. Anyways, um, yeah, we came we came back, and the darn thing it it did it made that noise again. And um, well, I got out of the tree, and I'm like. I got out of there and, and um, at a faster pace this time than the last time. Um, and we both met out into the hayfield at about the same time. He came out too. And uh, we're like, this time we're like, no, what is that? You know, we were just talking about it. And, and uh, that time it, it kind of was on me, on, 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 you know, it was, it was, I didn't know what it was, you know. Um, it was nerving, unnerving, you know. And um, so we drove back home, and and he said, yeah, "I'm not going." Do you think it was in about the same place the second time, or did it sound like it was in a different spot? It was in a different spot, but oh, closer. Okay. Oh God! So was it even louder the second time then? Yes, yeah, the second time oh, was louder. And that's when when uh, it was louder. It had to be pretty much between my buddy and me. You know, it was closer. Oh wow! You know, so you're looking at he was about 180 yards away from me, and it was like somewhere in the middle there. You know, uh, between us, and oh, we never knew what it was. We never saw it. You know, but. Um, as we were going home, he says, I'm not coming back. That was it for him. And uh, he, he didn't come back. 
And um, well, I came back another time. Oh my back. God! How much? Wait, was this the same hunting season? You came back there again? Yeah, I, I came back the next week. I came back. Man, I, you got, I did you not. Got I did not steel. know. Huh? I said you I got did, balls of steel, Big D. I I did not know what this was, so you know, I mean, okay, it's some animal, but it's it's. It's in there, but it's not coming out by me, you know. But I went back again, and um, this time I could hear this the same time in the evening, say about the same time in the evening. I heard it uh, coming towards me through the swamp at the river. The river opens up into like a swamp back there, and it's really thick back there. But anyways, um, you can hear it going through the water. I thought maybe it was some deer coming, you know, but it wasn't. It's because you could hear, you know, like bipedal, you know, as it got closer. And then um, it came towards me. I couldn't see it, though. But it had to been, it must have got as close as 50 yards away, I would guess. But it stopped as it got close to me. And it, it walked to the to the north, to my left, to the north. Then it went back, then it went down to the south of me, and then it turned around and came back, and came back to the same way it came from. And it went a little ways back into the lump, and it must have, like, turned around or something, because then it, it screamed at me. This time, I could feel it, you know. I could feel the um, the vibrations from this noise that it was making. What kind of a scream did it give you? Is you've heard other Bigfoot calls since then that are you know famous and whatnot. Was it like a, a roar or the siren type scream that they gave? Yes, or? yes. It was like a, a a roar, siren, high pitch kind of a scream. You know, it uh, it started out low, you know, like a like a growl low, a growling low, up to a high pitch like a siren sound. And um, it only did it once, though. It didn't do it many, many times, or it did it only once that I, I remember. Um, when you heard it waiting around or sloshing around out there in the swampy area or whatever, did it sound like it was on something on two legs, or did it sound like some kind of big animal? Or could you well, it... It sound well. It what it, what happened was it must have been like uh, running through the water fast, way back. But as it got closer, it started just like slow down, and then you can hear just the steps, step, you know, boom, boom, boom. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. You could tell it was on something on two legs, not not a dun or anything like that, like a what a deer would sound like, you know, or a horse or whatever. My but um, you could tell that it was on two legs when it was coming near us. Okay, so now you've you heard this thing moving around out there. You're listening to it moving around out there. All of a sudden it lets out the same horrible, you know, siren scream yeah. that you heard two times before. You heard it walking around on two legs. You know that ain't no normal animal at this point. What do no. you do at this point? What did you, no. you do? Hey, Duke, 
I was 12 feet up in the air in this homemade tree stand. I jumped from the top of that tree stand onto the onto the ground and ran out of there. I, I did not want to. I did not want to. Well done, man. I, you, uh, you acted wisely. I, uh, wow. I, I, that's what, I, I jumped the creek. There's a little area of the creek where it's, there's a high bank, and it's real narrow through there, so you can jump over it. And, um, and, and then you, there's a nice trail. It goes right through the tall grass, you know. But um, then you end up into the hayfield. But I got out of there and went, I got out of the, got onto the hayfield and went to this lady's house, the, the lady this farm here that owned the place. I knocked on her door. Or I, before uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, before I went over there, I, I, I walked along the cornfield and there was tracks in there. I saw tracks. Um, there were big tracks um, going through the corn. That that it was a dry year, so the corn was kind of a uh, short, the corn maybe in that area where it walked through was four or five feet tall in right. that corner. So, you know, so I was, when I was coming around there, I, I could see these tracks in there. And, um, well, if it was a dry year, that sometimes means the fields are actually fairly compact. And, yeah. So for something to leave tracks, it has to be whaling heavy. Uh, yeah. So that must have impressed you right away when you saw that, too. Well, yeah, I saw these tracks, and they had to have been at least 17 inches, you know. Oh, Jesus. That's and, way too um, for a bear in that area. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, they, uh, and the impression was at least, I would say, two inches into this dirt. Yeah. Know? Wow. And it was hard, you know. I, I hardly make a, made any dent at all when I walked through it, you know. Right. And um, you could just see the the. The, the outline of the boot or whatever, you know. Uh, but this thing had sunk. This thing had sunk into the the dirt. And it looked like it was kind of fresh, you know. And um, but it was kind of a weird looking track. Um, it kind of had longer toes to it, like and then a and then a, its side toe was stuck back a little bit. Kind of almost like if you saw like a a gorilla's foot, kind of like, mm-hmm. but longer, real long, you know. But skin, it wasn't that wide. It was, you know, I'd say at least six inches wide, but it was long, real long, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, the stride had to have been at least at least five feet. Between each step, oh and each step was in a straight line. You know, uh-huh. it's all. I looked at that. And I was like, "That's pretty odd." And that's when I I said, "No way." I just heard this thing out there, and I saw these tracks. That's the first time it got to my head. No way, these things aren't supposed to exist. You know, or so, they do their way over in the Pacific Northwest somewhere, right? Y- yes, you know, I. Um, that's the first time I thought you know that's when I realized that this is something out here you know it's not supposed to exist and I just heard it and I just see the tracks now and um, so then I now I'm going towards this lady's house it's getting pretty it's getting darker out now by the time I got to her house and her house is uh, a couple hundred yards away from 
where I was in over by the cornfield. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I knocked on her door. I says, what the heck do you got out, out here, you know? What the heck's messing around out here? And uh, I asked if she had a, a huge spotlight on her. And she did. And I, I, I took it. But, yeah, she had said that she don't know what's out here, but sometimes at night the barn doors would be, you know, rattling, and and she she knows that there's some there's something out there, but couldn't put her finger on what it was, and uh, that's you know I didn't see the thing, but I saw the tracks, and you know I that thing it, it made that noise. Oh man, you know it's. <laughs> Yeah, that was like to me, that's not good circumstantial evidence to make you want to leave the area, please. I, that definitely you know, would have worked on me. You know, I've uh, I've been deer hunting for a long time. I, I ran into bears, and you know, and bears don't want nothing to do uh, of, of you. You know, they'll leave. They want it. They don't want nothing to do with you. I think it's they smell you a mile away. They're going the opposite direction. You know, they're. So that's the way the bears are. But um, this thing was coming towards me, you know. Uh, and uh, it, 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 you knew it had that ape, um, you know, it, 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 it does everything like an ape would do, you know. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, uh, its behavior was ape, ape-like. And... Uh, Oh, my dad's no bear. You know, that was kind of odd. But, um, yeah, that was that was my uh, first eye-opening of, you know, a, a, of a Bigfoot, you know. Um, so there you are, 21, all of a sudden Bigfoot's real. Did you get, like, <clears throat> a lot more interested in researching it at that point, or, or what happened? Um, you know, for the rest, well, not not really. But it had affected me for it affected me for the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, I've uh, I thought you know I I go down and where I used to work and I told told somebody about it. And the next day we came back down and I showed him the tracks and uh, he's like, uh, whoa, what the heck, you know? And then he left. But um, wish we would have snapped a picture of him. Oh yeah, you know, I I I did back then we never carried phones. We never had cell phones. We never carried cameras around or anything like that. But I I really never um thought about taking a picture or making a cast or it was just one of those things where I at the time I really didn't know what it was yet, you know. I mean, was it a, a funky bear? you know, or some, you know, of the tracks, you know. I don't know, you know. But, you know, then then you realize, okay, that it's no bear, you know. Um, but at the time, I, you know, I, I've never experienced anything like that. So I, Bigfoot wasn't, go, you know, going through my head at the time, you know. I wasn't thinking about Bigfoot or, you know. But, um but when I did see that track, I was putting it all together. No way, you know. I guess, you know, I guess that is. 
So how did that affect you wanting to be uh, hunting it out in the woods then? Did you just tough it out and say, yeah, well, whatever, I'm just going to keep going? Well, yeah, I, I did. You know, I, 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 that's the way I, I, um, I just knew that that woods there. I never had a feeling like that when I was out in that woods there. The other woods I've gone to, I didn't ever had that feeling, you know. I had that feeling of being watched. Um, just gave me the, the vibes, you know. Um, that was the only woods that I really felt that way, you know. Um, when I was in that woods, it was kind of creepy. Maybe a creepy feeling, you know. Um, yeah, I've but, experienced uh, that myself too, man. There's some places like that where you can just tell right away as soon as you look at the area, it's like, no, nope, don't go there. Yeah. Where I hunt now, um, I've been hunting there for over 26 years, and I never got that feeling, you know. So I know they're not around there in that, that part of the area. Yeah. But uh, that there, yeah, I it was, you could tell that there was something not normal, something watching you, you know. It was, it was something there, so. Definitely. It, uh, but anyways, um, yeah, it affected me for the rest of my life. I, I, that was an eye opener. Um, it wasn't until later on in, in years that then, and then I, um, you know, when I start telling people and then all of a sudden I start hearing other people from that area start talking about it. You know, there's other neighbors around that area there was one neighbor that I worked with. He lived out there, and he had told me that uh, one time he was down in his basement, and he saw these tracks go by. These these feet go by his window in the basement. Oh, geez. And and uh, he uh, he told me about that, and he says another time uh, he was doing some logging out there in the woods there, clearing up. And one time he he got done sawing something up with his chainsaw. And all of a sudden, this tree back there starts swaying back and forth. And um, uh, it, this thing started making all kinds of noise. And uh, he, he, so, yeah, he had told me that he, they knew about it. There was something out there. And um, I told him where I was hunting. And he says, yeah, I just lived uh, a mile and a half north of there. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's like basically the same spot as far as a Bigfoot is concerned. Yeah, you know, it's his area there, you know. Yeah, they move um, around fast and, you know, (laughs) they can cover a lot of ground real quick. We we think of like, you know, let's put it in their perspective, uh, sort of, we'll just imagine that, you know, if you're that much bigger and you can move that much faster than we can, like us walking 100 yards would be like about the same as them going a mile. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So that looks like the same distance as, like, 100 yards looks to us. You know, uh, uh-huh. walk 100 yards, no big deal. That's but, how they um, <laughs> as, years, as years went by, you know, this is years later, um, and not too long ago, I have heard about um, a lot of uh, different things that have gone on out there. I've worked with another guy who used to hear those those wailing noises, you know, in the distance. And um, there was this other guy that lived out there. He had a little, he lived out there, this farmer. Um, well, he ended up selling the place. 
Um, I think I think he might have. I don't know what happened, but some people say he committed suicide or something. Um, what happened one time was that uh, you know a lot of times he'd be doing you know doing his dishes in his kitchen. You know, and he got a, his back kitchen faces the back back of the property. He's got apple trees all back back there. Well, this thing would come up there and eat apples and stuff, you know. And at night, knock on his side of his house and stuff like that. And he had enough of it. He'd tell people that and they'd just ridicule him, you know, that uh, there was something out there. And the guy ended up, uh, I guess, you know, um, you know, killing himself. But, uh, well, that was a neighbor that had told me that, that um, I went to this uh, down in in Weston. Uh, in, it's in the central part of Wisconsin here. They had a, they had a, um, a Finding Bigfoot um, BFRO had a, a little conference. Yeah. A town meeting, yes. So I decided to go to it, you know. I wanted to see, okay, if there's any... I was hoping maybe somebody from that area would come in, you know. And uh, sure enough, the first speaker of the night, this farmer, he was from that area. And he was only a mile away from where I hunted, along the same wow. river. And anyways, uh, he said that this happened in... Back in 2010, it was in the middle of summer, I think it was July or something like that, they had just got done baling straw. And uh, it was 90 90 degrees out, 95 degrees outside. It was a hot day. It was in the evening, he said, then uh, 5.30 before chores. We didn't milk cows out there. And um, he said, yeah, we just got done milking, uh, baling the hay. And we were coming up to the barn, and and uh, we looked back. And he said the house and barn and all that's kind of like up on a hill, so you could see back in the fields back there. He said, um, "Yeah, back there, a little ways back there, there's a little wet area back there, and then in front of that was the field that he um, they bailed. But he says, yeah, there was some areas around there where." They didn't get it, didn't cut it down. So there were still some boats up there, you know. And he was saying, he was looking, and he thought maybe there was a bear out there. What the heck, you know. And uh, he told his wife to go get the binoculars. And um, she brought the binoculars out, and he was looking through the binoculars, and all you see this thing leaning over and then swinging his arms back and forth grabbing oats and putting it in his mouth, you know, and he's bent over doing this. And, um, well, bears so, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And um, his daughter was out there, too. She's seen it, too. But anyways, uh, so he uh, he got he jumped on the four-wheeler and thought, okay, what's somebody doing out there, you know, because it stood up. He thought it was some person out there. And uh, so he hopped on the four-wheeler and um, drove out to this where this thing was. By the time he was getting out there by, by the thing, it was already walking at a fast pace 
city east towards the river, which was on another guy's property. Uh, there was another oat field there that hadn't been harvested yet. And it was heading towards that way. Well, he he caught up to it. He says, I was doing about 50 miles an hour on my four-wheeler to catch up to this thing. And it was doing it at a fast hiker's uh, jog, he says, about that fast. And um, he caught up to it. And uh, he said he got within about 10 feet away from this thing. And we realized this thing it was a no person. Says it had been at least eight feet tall, and um, it uh, it was walking like an ape. He says when it was walking away, you know how an ape walks, you know, swinging its arms back and forth, you know, and, and Except um, running really fast, which apes don't run really fast on their hind well, legs. They go well, he more. said it it actually wasn't running really. It was just at a good pace, you know, like he said, like a good jogger's pace, you know. Right. About that speed, but it wasn't running or nothing. It was just at a good pace. Mm-hmm. And uh, he got right up up to it, about 10 feet away. And this thing uh, stopped and turned around. It was going like a, do like a buff charge like that, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, but then, it, you know, he stopped and and then it, it, it turned around and started going back, you know, towards where it was going and heading to. And, but he followed, followed it all the way up to that woods, and uh, he told the neighbor about it, and the neighbor took over and looked for the track. He had to go back and start doing chores, you know, <laughs> and uh, milking cows, so he he didn't go any further. Well, I'm not sure you'd but, want to after that. It's like, what, what the hell is that thing? It stopped and bluff charged me, and I'm not going out there again. Yeah, this this guy said he, he you know, he was, he was actually scared, you know. Um, mm-hmm. He says it didn't. It didn't. You know. He said the face didn't look. Didn't look real. He says had big eyes. You know, and almost looked like a man. More like a like a human, or more like an ape, or did he give any kind of description along those lines? Or well, um, he he had said that uh, it had big eyes. You know, and it had like a, you know, its face was was like a, like a human's like, but you know, it had a big big nose. Everything exceptionally big, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he didn't see any ears because his hair, the hair was covering the, the sides. But uh, he had described it as a, as a, the color was like a, uh, brown, a brown, more, more um, reddish brown color, mm-hmm. like a, like a brown, but. Um, I can't hardly explain that, but uh, it blended in really good, you know, with the surroundings. That's what he said, you know. Um, if it had be between, if it was laying in the grass, dry grass, you probably wouldn't have seen it, you know. Right. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, he. I I was so happy to hear that somebody else was. Was there that right there too? I mean, right there where you saw yours practically. Well, yeah, you know. Now I knew. Okay, I wasn't nuts. That was something, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, it was. There was something there. There's maybe a family that lives out there. I have no idea, but. Could even but be just a lone individual living out there. It's usually there's. It seems like there's more than one. In any yeah. place, you don't usually find just one. But, you know, I mean, it could be the same individual that was scaring you away. That You know, 
get out of here, deer hunters. This is my area. <laughs> you know, yeah. Could have been the same one. You, you never, you, you never know. It could be. You know, it could have been. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, in a way, it was rocking around. You know, maybe it sounded like it might have been getting older. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, couldn't couldn't run away fast enough or whatever. Um. I just find the behavior of it out there actually taking advantage of the grain and like yeah. scooping the grain off of the stalks and eating them. Uh, you know, that's something that you don't usually uh, get reports like, from anybody. I've actually seen that happen. Right. What? what what's? Uh, you could tell there must have been some sort of intelligence there. I better use oh, yeah. some of the grain before it's gone because these humans over here are yelling and up and taking it all away. down. You know? <laughs> Well, it's interesting that, you know, like apparently he's he's aware of it. He knows that it's food. He's harvesting and eating it. That means he's probably doing that you know, on a fairly regular basis as soon as it's available because they take advantage of everything in their environment. So as soon as the, gra- the grain's harvestable, he's probably out there horking it down as fast as he can before the <laughs> farmer cuts it down and takes it away. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh... It's exactly what must have been what happened, you know. <laughs> it's, and that gives you another reason why they'd be hanging around a certain area like that. Look, you know, he's figured out how to take advantage of what the farmer's growing, probably to a level that the farmer would never even notice that anything was going on because he's got big fields and whatnot, right? And there's right. deer right around there. He's eating the deer. So he's got plenty of food, you know. Oh, yeah. And this always baffles me when people go, well, they, they migrate all over the place. Well, Why? You know, if you're in if you're in an area that's livable year round and you've got a steady food supply there and you're not getting bothered, what's your motivation to go anywhere else? Mhm, mhm, mhm. And when you have a, a creek that uh, it goes that drains into other big reservoir areas and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. Um, we've got. And that's to, it. You know, if your food supply in the area that you're in starts running low, you take advantage of those travel routes and just go to the nearest one where there's food available. Right, and um, like I said, you know that that creek goes right at, that that creek goes right into the old plain reservoir, mm-hmm. and then the old plain reservoir goes right through the Wisconsin River. The Wisconsin mm-hmm. River goes all the way out to the Mississippi, you know. And there's so, a giant tributary that they can follow to get pretty much oh, anywhere. Oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, that that creek there was just a finger, you know, that, that branched off and from the big reservoir. You know, so yeah, they got yeah. There's plenty of food around the areas. That's for sure. Lots of deer. Um, I mean, they they grow everything around here. You know, uh, um, you know, the the soybeans and and yep. uh, corn. Um, well, and that's just like bonus to them. That's in addition to all the natural food sources that they're taking advantage of around there. Oh, yeah. You know, so they've got all the natural buffet that they're used to taking advantage of. Plus, the dumb humans have food all over the place that they can make off with to the point where we don't even notice that because uh-huh. there's so much around there. You know, it's mass production. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like for I- them, it's like, woohoo, bonus points. You know, I can not only have all this other yummy natural food that's around here, but I got all this stuff the humans are creating that's mm-hmm. lying around here that I can take too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they also have that, uh, I don't know if, they, I, I suppose they probably probably do. Um, we've got that uh, ginseng around here. You've heard of ginseng, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a root 
at uh, the harvest uh, yep. for medicine. For it's like a like an energy. Um, they put it in energy drinks and stuff like that. Um, it's, this is one of the few areas in the world that they they grow it here. You know, it grows really good in Marathon right. County in in central Wisconsin there. Um, but, I know um, there's other places where there's like people that actually you know actively go out in the woods to find where it grows and try and harvest it, and it's like it isn't that easy to find. There's not that much of it, and they're sort of depleting what there is of it. And you're right, oh, there are yeah. very few places that you can actually grow it, and it will just grow. Right, right. Yeah, it, uh, it needs a, a shady area, you know. And uh, But, um, yeah, that, it's hard to find that stuff. Uh, most of it uh, in the wild nowadays is... is um, it's gone, you know. Um, but they're, they're, it's around, but you just got to know what to look for, you know. That's... Well, we got, you know, plenty of anecdotal uh, evidence that that's probably one of their food sources. You know, people have seen them digging in the ground and stuff like that, too. And um, It's very likely that they're taking advantage of tubers and roots and whatnot like that, just like we do eat potatoes, dig yeah. up the, well, yeah, <laughs> they, the roots all needed, you know. Yeah, you know, summertime, they take advantage of all this, you know, greenery, you know, they, they, heck, they heck with the, you know, I'm sure they, they take a deer here and there, but not like they do in the wintertime, you know. But no, uh, that's, that's wintertime food supply for yeah, sure. That's like, there's not any green yeah. stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, when it, the, 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 the summertime, they're just, Basically, you know, hiding out in the woods and and um, basking on the, the supply of the um, berries and and roots and stuff like that, you know, uh, insects, yep. whatever, whatever they can get a hold of, mushrooms, whatever. Yeah. Um. But uh, slugs. <laughs> slugs. Cat, cat, cat mentioned that she's, she's seen a couple of the younger ones each slugs and she's like oh I didn't know that was edible apparently slugs are edible <laughs> that's funny <laughs> but yeah they're masters of taking advantage of their environment you know and you figure like huge omnivore intelligent it's just going to do that you know and, uh-huh. uh, and opportunistic so they're mm-hmm. smart. They figure out there's a food source around. They figure out how to take advantage of it. And, you know, bears, which by comparison would be dim-witted, are way easily smart enough to do that. They know exactly where the berry patch is, when the berries are going to be ripe, and when to show up and eat them. And they don't uh-huh. want to be there the rest of the year. Well, right. you, know, you figure Bigfoot can't figure that out. Oh, I know exactly when all these pumpkins are going to be ripe, and some of them are going to go down my throat, down my throat mm-hmm. into my tummy, you know, because <laughs> I know mm-hmm. exactly where they are and when they're going to be ready to go. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so yeah, you know they, they take advantage of all that sort of stuff because they can eat you know, a lot. Of you, you, you know, they say that you know these, these Bigfoot have they migrate. I don't think so. I think they just have a, a huge, a, a big area that they cover. You know, right? That they take from season to season. You know, they know where exactly. they know where the big deer yards are at in the winter, and they know where the berries and stuff are. Um, you know, summer. And, fall and whose yep. apple trees to go to and stuff like that, you know. I just think they just they just know where to go in certain types of time of the year, you know. So sure. you, you almost expect them to be in this area this time. But but it's a big big range, you know, it's a big area that they 
they have, you know. It's, I don't think they did. Okay, they were going to migrate 100 miles south, you know, from here or yeah. whatever like that. But I think it's just that they're moving around in this area, you know. Um, you know, like I said, uh, they'll just find the, the big deer herds in the area, hang out there in the wintertime, and in the summertime go back to the where they're most, most comfortable to be, you know, hidden and, and lots of, you know, greenery to, to eat, you know. Stuff like that, but it's it, it. I don't think it's a, a really. I th- it's it's big, you know. I think it's a big range that they have. I just really do, well, you know. Again, let's let's compare them to a known obvious example that lives in the same environment and takes advantage of a lot of the same food sources. Another omnivore, the black bear. A good there was research that they were doing on this all the way back when I was a kid in the area I was living in. And a decent-sized black bear had a range. It was about 40 miles across, and he would cover that area. In fact, he'd do a circuit. He'd sort of, like, cover the perimeter of it and maybe cross across the middle of it a few times or whatever. And it's sort of random, but it was like there was this box or circle or whatever that that was his territory in it. And within the course of about two weeks, he'd cover, like, the majority of it, and then he'd come back to where he had been two weeks before. And it's almost like clockwork. Uh-huh. Um, like if you saw the bear here two weeks before, come back two weeks later, and it's probably there again. And uh-huh. It's really kind of it's kind of weird, but it's like they've got a route. And they'll take right. this route around their territory. And how they vary the route is by available food sources. So it's like, okay, I always hit the dump over here every two weeks when I go by and hitting that. Oh, now it's time for this berry patch to be ripe. I'll deviate and go over here and eat berries for a couple of days. And then I'm going to go back over here and check in this river. There should be fish here by now, sort of thing. But it's like, yeah, you know. And so even uh, a black bear, a uh, territory 40 miles across, well, Bigfoot's going to need a territory about the same size in order to feed itself, right? Yeah. So if there's a troop of Bigfoot, you got a territory 40, 50, 60 miles across. And anywhere within that area, they could be wandering around at any given time. Now, the other variation on this is how dense the food supply is. Because if they've got a really dense food supply, lots of veggies, lots of, you know, whatever it is that they're eating, lots of water, lots of cover, they may not have to move hardly at all. You know, they might be able to live in one really small area and not have to hardly ever move at all. So you don't see them go anywhere else. Well, they don't need to go anywhere else, so why would they go there? Especially, you know, you got go to the residentials and, People take out their garbage on, you know, Tuesday or Friday night, you know, and yep. um, they'll, they'll raid those too, you know. And it's um, predictable. So, yeah, even yeah. like raccoons and stuff figure that out, and, and the, the bears, they'll raid the garbage cans, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, yeah, they, uh, doing it. they have hands. They can pick up the lid, pull the food out they want to eat, and put the lid back down again. I don't think they do that a lot. I think that's sort of a rare thing. I think yeah. they avoid eating human garbage because I don't think they trust what it is, but if they're, it's in a situation where they're like hurt or starving or something like that, or, or just you know live or old, losing their teeth, they live right yeah. next to a campground and they've learned to get away with it, and they're mm-hmm. sort of doing that all the time. Seeing examples of that, there's one over I, I mentioned to you, um, Interstate Park, you know, like a couple decades ago, where every spring there was one that was going around the campgrounds in the spring and collecting up, eating the garbage after people were there, you know, because uh-huh. you know what it's like by spring. There's not berries or anything, but everything just started growing. There's not a lot of food available. But there's uh-huh. always humans showing up and camping because it's warm enough, 
and they're leaving all their yummy food lying around. So <laughs> every night, you know, you'd hear from one can to the other on the campground that, you know, somebody's walking around checking all the trash cans in the middle of the night. <clears throat> Why would they be doing that in the middle of the night? Yeah, right. Uh, but, um, um, yeah, I've had an incident like that, too, though. I Coming back home from, from Wisconsin to, to, to Michigan, I've, uh, it was on I-75. There's a, there's a way station way up north, uh, uh, south of the bridge, Mackinac Bridge, and uh, it's all by itself. And uh, it was late at night. I like to travel at night, you know, less cars on the road, and you can really make time. And uh, I got tired and pulled over to this way station. And uh, and I started smelling this. Now this thing, you know, I know what they smell like now. You know, um, this dunky, bad body odor smell, you know. It just hangs in the air, you know. But uh, I knew there was one in there, you know, must have been checking out the trash bins and stuff. It was late at night, 2, 3 in the morning when I went, when I stopped there. And, uh, but, uh, yeah, there was nobody else there around, just me. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they, they like their, they like to, uh, raid, uh, trash cans and, well, now, if you knew what it smelled like, now, when did you smell one before that? Because you're, you're skipping something here. Oh, yes, I am. Um, yeah, I, um, the, the second time that I, this is my second encounter now. Um, this happened uh, in 2009. Um, I had went home to Michigan. And... Uh, we had a family reunion we were going to, and and I decided uh, to take the kids. It was like a Wednesday, and uh, we were there a whole week. It was a Wednesday, and it was hot out, 90 degrees or so. And we decided to go to a park, and uh, we went to this uh, park that's called Tanalac uh, Petroglyphs uh, State Park in the middle of the thumb area there in Tanalac County. And... Um, well, we were the only ones there, and uh, we went up and saw the rock underneath the shelter, and and then um, we uh, walked the trail. There's a trail that goes all the way around the park in there, and um, they got cool little signs over by little rock outcrops and and some trees that let you know what they are and stuff, and way in the back, there's a there's an old uh, lumber camp um, oh, cool. back there. Yeah, there's an old lumber camp back there that's uh, not much to it anymore, but there's an area where you can see where it's at. But, uh, yeah, you walk along. But anyways, we were walking along, and and we went around, and we went by this one big tree. There's a big pine tree there. And uh, we were walking by this big pine tree, and there's like a little, right before that, there's like this little metal area, whatever. And um, there was a bunch of pines. And uh, all of a sudden we got whiffed of a smell. And everybody at once, I had my daughter and two uh, and two of my boys with me, you know. And 
very young at the time. And um, we all at once said skunk, right? And all of a sudden, to just to, just in front of us, a few, few, I don't know how far away, maybe it was close, maybe a hundred feet in front of us to the behind the the small pines and stuff. We couldn't see what was over there. All of a sudden, the this thing made two whoops, you know, made the whoop sounds, and uh, sounded just like an ape, you know, and um, it started running off. Boom, you know, you could feel, you, if you hear, like, horses running. Right. When they, and when you can hear the shot. on the ground. The impact yeah. when you hear that. Well, anyways, uh, when this thing was running away, you could hear that it had some weight to it. And it was only a bipedal to it, you know. You, you could oh, hear God. a boom, 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 boom when it was running away, but there was more of them. So I, I figure it must have been a family of these things. There was, like, a creek up just a, just in front of us up there with a the little bridge over there. And that was another 100 feet we had to go to get to this bridge and went across this creek, a river creek. It wasn't very big, but um, as we got to that bridge there, there was this tree that was about four inches wide, swaying. So the only thing I could figure was Something was in the water, grabbed a hold of the tree to get it help itself to get out of the water. The only thing I could think of, what what made that tree sway like that, you know? And um, when we heard that whoop, whoop, that was kind of to the left of us as we were going to to the east down this trail, it was more to 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 the left of us. Like it was trying to tell the other ones down by the creek, you know, danger. And then they all took off, you know. Um, well, how did the kids react to this? Well, like, like my kids, my daughter is like, uh, no way. You know, those things aren't supposed to exist, you know. And I told I just told them, you know, I sounds like that was a big fight, you know. And uh, my my younger boy, he was little at the time, and we were by the bridge here, and he's like, let's get going. You know, he's he was kind of kind of scared about the situation, so then we left. And um, <laughs> that's kind of the opposite of what you'd expect. The, the the daughter's incredulous, and the boy's freaked out by it. Yeah, sort of expect the daughter to be freaked out, and the boy to be going, "No way." <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, my oldest son, he he didn't say anything, and, but uh, yeah, I, that was the first time I've actually really smelled them, you know, really close like that. And um, you know when you smell this, it, it comes and goes as fast, you know. Mm-hmm. It'll come and goes, you know. It, it goes with them, you know. It doesn't hang around. And uh, to, to make a point, too, skunks don't smell. Skunks, um, they, uh, they'll they spray and an area will smell for, for days, you know. Yeah. And I can tell I can tell the difference now between a skunk and one of these creatures. Um, the skunk has more of a sweeter smell to it, uh, a musky smell, and these these things here are more like a, like somebody hasn't hasn't uh, you know a guy has been working out all day and hasn't put any underarm 
deodorant on for days, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, these things kind of smell like that, you know. Uh, but it's really strong. Um, but, yeah, you, you can tell the difference of what these things um, smell like. And, uh, yeah, when it left and it did those whoop whoops, you know, and then, it, then they left. And I knew right away, okay, there's nothing out there that, that makes those kind of noise. The whoop whoops, and it was loud, you know. Escape and, monkeys. Um, you got escape monkeys right here around. Yeah, you know. It's no normal animals that make anything like a whoop around that area. The only thing that's even remotely similar is a loon, and they don't whoop either. Yeah. Yeah, I, that uh, that was that was an encounter, I believe. I We didn't see them, but I believe that was an encounter. In this creek here, they, there's a lot of um, mussels and crayfish in there. Mm. And it's, it, it's real, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't really, it's not really deep either. But um, it was a hot day, you know, so they must have been, you know, getting a drink of water and having, having themselves a, a del- delicacy of the that was snack, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. when you're down on the Blackfoot, there was there was one of them that was going through the river that was overturning the rocks and basically fishing, and I, we think that's what he was looking for because there were big crayfish in there. He was probably turning the rocks over, pulling the crayfish out, eating them. Yeah, right. But uh, that was the only thing I could figure why that one tree there was swinging back and forth. It had to use one of its arms to, to use one of its arms to help it get it out, get itself out of the creek, you know. Yep. You know, and again, that's get very typical path. behavior for them. I, I know somebody that saw one run up a hill, and it, he said it's like barely used its legs. It was grabbing the trees. It was a really steep hill with trees on it. It was grabbing the trees and like flinging itself upward. And would grab onto the next tree with its other arm, and its legs occasionally would like touch the ground, but it was like heaving itself up with arm power only. So that'd be typical, yeah. Grab onto the tree, heave your whole body up there just by yanking with one arm. Oh, be darn. Yeah, makes sense. Huh. But um, so yeah, that's not that's a that's an interest. Again, this is one of these cool, interesting details that you get out of somebody that's had an encounter like this and it's like, well, there that matches up with somebody that's actually seen them do this. So right. again, seems so, more likely. The 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 whoop the whoops that you do here, you know, it has to has to be has has to mean that you know, a warning sign that somebody's around, you know, and humans are around or whatever. You know, let's go, you know. Whoop whoop, you know. Let's you know, humans are here, it's danger, let's get yeah. out of here, you know. Yeah, and um, cavemen will tell you that, too, that they they do that to each other. If they're not sure what it is that's making the noise, they'll do it really quiet, like whoop, whoop, to just see if they get a whoop back again. And if they don't, right away they're like, uh-oh, that might be humans. And it sounds like in this case it knew already for sure it was humans and it was just one of the other ones. Well, see, we never made any noise, though. Yeah, not to what you would think is noise. The, the only time we made noise is when we smelled them, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and my dog, everybody at once said, "Oh, skunk," you know. Mm-hmm. And that's when that's when they did the whoop whoop. Then you know they they recognized we were there. There was nobody there at this at this park. We were the only ones there. Um, we were the only one parked at the parking lot there, and. Um, so yeah, we were quiet all the way around until we we ran into that 
that smell. And then they're like, oh, it's gone. And they're like, whoop, whoop, we're out of here. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. It was that fast, you know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and that's, again, you know, like, from what we've been able to figure out, common practice for them, if they're going to be, like, lounging around thinking there's no humans around or something, they never have their guard down. There's going to be at least one of them that's watching what's going on around the area. Uh-huh. And he was, he was the watcher. He was a little sentinel, and he spotted you guys and went, whoop, whoop. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But, um, anyways, I'd like to tell you that, yeah, after we were done there, we went back home to the, to the farm there and the parents there, and uh, we told them about what had happened, you know. And, um, but anyways, uh, and then we decided to go out by, uh, we were talking away about uh, my dad where he used to live, um, out, out near the, uh, Deford State Game area in the in Tuscola County there, and um, there used to be whippoorwills over in the area, and uh, Dad said uh, they did a lot of logging along there, so uh, they haven't heard anything for a while. But I remember as a kid where we used to go um, down these roads, and it would be almost every year they would be at to certain areas, you know. So I. Decided to take the kids down just to see, you know, if they were, if they were there, you know. So it was in the evening. They start when when those things start to um, make their noise. So we stopped at this one particular place where there was there almost every year when I was a kid that it, you would always hear one. And uh, so I decided, okay, we'll go down here and stop the car, turn it off, and will make a whoop-a-will sound. Those whoop-a-wills will call back to you right away if you make a whoop-a-will sound. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> but, uh, I did that, and in response, I hear three wood knocks. Oh, crap. So, <laughs> Excuse my language. <laughs> we, you know, like a baseball hitting the, hitting the side of the tree, you know. Bam, yeah. bam, bam. And uh, there's nobody around, you know. This is a road that's two miles stretch. There's nothing around there, and uh, it's all woods and stuff. And uh, what the heck would that be, you know? And uh, so it, it took off. Yeah, the whippoorwills knock on trees to signal back. But yeah, that was. That same area, my my mom and dad, they uh, did did some uh, morel picking, and uh, just around the corner right there, there it's just, dad, my dad went to school there on this road, and he had a two mile walk to school, and that was the same area he would tell me when he was a kid, back in the thirties and uh, back in the early forties, that he always felt like somebody was watching him, you know, walking down that road. It was way yeah. back in the forties, and uh, the same stretch right through there, and um, but uh, they were morel picking, and uh, they would find these trees that the bark is off these trees. Something took the bark off these trees, and they're bare, you know, like the uh, um, the top of the tree would be still alive, but the bark would be stripped off down below, you know, 
a, a good 15 feet up or so, all the bark would be gone, you know, on these trees. Um, he had, Dad told me, told me about this. Says, I don't think I ever seen that before, you know, about these trees that the bark peeled off like that. He asked me, he says, you know what animal would do that, you know? I said, no, I, I don't know, but uh, you're in that, you're talking about that same area again where, where I've, you know, had that encounter with the knocks and you, as a kid, when you used to walk by there and felt uneasy, uneasy you know, through that area, you, you didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. He says, yeah, when he was a kid, he'd, he felt like somebody watching him and then he'd just start booking it home, you know. Oh, but, uh He also said yeah, that the same... Detail of the, the, the Merle mushrooms in the area, you know, again, that goes back to what we were talking about before. Available food supply. I bet they know exactly when the morels are up. Oh yeah, I mean uh, those the morels that they, they um, you'll find them underneath uh, elm trees, you know, mm-hmm. elm elm trees that are that are died the year before or about to be or about to die. That's where the morels will, will you'll find them is uh, when these elm trees start to die. That's when the, the morales will come out. But um, yeah, Dad, yeah, yeah, he said he had, you know, it was a two-mile walk to school. But uh, he remember back in those forties. Uh, he remembers. Uh, he thought people were, what the heck is somebody cut uh, chopping wood at late at night? You know. Yeah. <laughs> No kidding, right? That's really And uh, I remember him saying that for years, you know. He says, yeah, there used to be a crazy nut out there. He used to chop wood at night, you know, in the summer. <laughs> There's the and, three uh, o'clock wood chopping hermit out in the middle of the woods. Yeah. And um, and then back in the day, there wasn't very many houses around in that area, you know. And uh, but so now, talking, now, uh, we're, now we're talking about look, Michigan here. That's where you were when you were a kid, right, Michigan? Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. So and, I was uh, looking at their database today, and I was interested to see that they've got actually not only the modern day reports and stuff, but way back before there was Northern California Ray Wallace and even the term Bigfoot, they had an actual Bigfoot report that was reported in the newspapers all the way back to 1938. Yeah. You know, there's uh, in that area. You know, I mean. You know, even like the like down in Monroe, uh, Monroe County down that way too. You know, back in the days of the you know during the uh, um, uh, the War of eighteen twelve, French soldiers have uh, have documented them of of seeing these things in, in Lower Michigan. There, you know, yeah, uh, that was way back in eighteen twelve during the War of eighteen twelve. Yeah, if you go uh, according to the reports of the, you know, the Voyagers and the early Lumberjacks and stuff, they had all kinds of sightings of this stuff that got passed off as, oh, drunken Voyagers, oh, oh crazy Lumberjacks, and nobody paid any attention to it. Uh-huh. You know, and that goes way back into the 1700s. There's a newspaper article uh-huh. of them capturing something that d- described exactly like it was a gugly, a t- uh-huh. uh, 200 miles north of Lake of the Woods in Minnesota in 1780. 1780. Uh-huh. So you know it goes back way, way, way far back in this area. You, you know, you look back back in the day. You know, the whole 
from a Michigan. Um, it used to be a, a huge pine forest at one time. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you think about it, you know, I mean, uh, the Cass River, where all, you know, where went through Tuscola County there, um, they used to have big runs of sturgeon going up those rivers, you know, yep. back in the day. And uh, and you had pines that are 200 feet tall, you know, these white pines. So you had conditions that were similar to what you have out in the Pacific Northwest. Same kind of uh, conditions. You had the you had yep. the fish, you had the big forest. Yep. And um, so yeah, uh, they, actually, all of northern Minnesota was originally that huge white pine forest too. There's still like yep. a 40 acre chunk of it left, but they they cut down all the rest of it. When I was there in the 60s, there were still logging trails left from when they had done that a hundred years previously. You could wander around the woods and find these ancient logging trails and uh, corduroy roads they had made for extracting the timber and whatnot. And the house that I grew up in had two of the white pines still standing in the front yard. And I got a picture, so I'll include that so everybody can look at what he is talking about. But yes, this whole area was all gigantic pine forests, just like you think of like the sequoias or the redwoods on the west coast. And with the yeah, and the big ready supply of fish and the whole thing, and that's that's what the area looked like. So well, no surprise that they were there. And then there's the tie-in with Bigfoot in just about all the areas that they're in have a preference for pine forests for some reason. Right. It could be because they're evergreen, even during the winter, they're like cover. You know, the leaves don't yeah. fall off, so there's always something to hide behind, sort of thing. <laughs> we don't know for sure, but they seem to like to be. If pine forest is available to food supply and stuff, it seems like they'll pick that over preference to a deciduous. It's just like up here in central Wisconsin, there's a county, um, Menominee County, uh, the Indian Reservation, Menominee County, and that's a a forest that has never been touched, you know. They just specifically take what they need out of there. And you you have white pines in that area, that are about 170, 180 feet tall. Nice. Pine. The whole, the whole, the whole county, you know. And um, if you look at, if you look at a map, uh, a Google map, you could see the outline of that county. It's all, it's all pines, you know, Menominee County. And, yeah, that's uh, why they're so poor there. They never made any money from logging it, cutting down all the trees, and so the county got the name "Me No Money." <laughs> But, Sorry, um, cheap, cheap, cheap shot at Wisconsin there. Sorry, guys, love you. Yeah, but uh, beautiful place though. They got the Wolf River that went up through there. Same scenario, and um, the uh, Lake Winnebago, which is just a few uh, hundred miles south of uh, of the county, of Menominee County. Um, they the, the world's largest uh, sturgeon. Um, uh, the sturgeon that, that come out of Lake Winnebago is the largest um, population of sturgeon, healthy sturgeon in in the world. Um, every year um, in the springtime, uh, you can go out to these certain areas. they got people that stand along the shoreline to, to protect these things from poachers and stuff. And they come up. These fish are like, you know, six feet long. You know, sixty to you know a couple hundred pounds. Sturgeon, and um, 
But they only can go up to the Shano Dam. There's a dam they, dam they built there during the logging days. And But before that, those fish used to go right up to right up north to that county, of Menominee County. And um, but uh, what I was getting at, that Menominee County, there's a lot of um, reports out that aren't reported, but there's a lot of sightings in that area, you know. And it goes back what I was saying before, lots of fish back in the day, lots of pine cover, yes. and there's still a population of them still there because yes. of that habitat in that county. That's just super interesting. You know, that's it's. I hope that, that we've opened up people's minds a little bit about this whole area of the country because the upper Midwest definitely has Bigfoot in it. I've had three what you would call Class A sightings in my life. One of them was here in Montana. Two of them were in northern Minnesota. Okay, so uh-huh. <laughs> I know for a fact there's Bigfoot there. There's no question. They're absolutely uh-huh. positively there. I've seen uh-huh. them. <clears throat> so well, as the years gone by, I got more and more interested into the subject, and I did take a, a trip out to Menominee County because I was interested about this on the BFRO um, website. There, they have a a report from that Menominee County about a couple of police officers they had an encounter there back in 1967, mm-hmm. and they had they had told about this thing that intimidated them and well they went back into this area back in there to, to, to find this lake back there they want to do some fishing in and um they got chased out by this thing you know and it sound, they said it sounded like a like an elephant and it was pushing over big trees up on this on this uh ridge above them they could see this thing pushing over trees there are four or five inches six inches in diameter pushing trees over as they were getting the heck out of there. They could, for about 200 yards, they said, they seen this on the ridge. as this thing was pushing trees down. And um, when they got home, they figured, what the heck was that? Was like a escaped elephant or, you know? Or, <laughs> Some kind of an angry half-drunk bulldozer? <laughs> yeah, they, they didn't know what it was, you know, until they, they had mentioned in, in that report that they had seen that that um, show of um, ancient mysteries of uh, of a Bigfoot, you know, an ancient mysteries of uh, Leonard Nimoy and in, in search of or something like that. The show yeah, in search of probably yeah. yeah. That was Back but in the sixties, it would have been after that. Yeah, it was probably in search of because that would have been the first one that he did after that. Yeah, yeah. In their in their report, they they give an account of what this thing sounded like. Um. And it was exactly what I have heard when I was in central Wisconsin here, um, when that thing yelled at us. It was the same same thing that we heard, you know. Um, it's just a sound that it vibrates you. Know, when it when it gets close to you, it it will vibrate vibrate your your body like like a bass. Uh, if you go to a, like a uh, concert or something like that. You're too close to the speakers. And you feel that that bass hitting you. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what that that feels like. You know, that's that's the way those those things sound like when they're they're pretty close. 
Oh God! All I can do is, 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 is just thank God I've never had to, to have that happen. Uh, all the tons of experience that I've had, Bigfoot related and whatnot, very few of them have anything to do with the vocalizations. I've never actually been there to hear them do the T-Rex uh-huh. roar or the scream or any of that kind of stuff. All I've just ever heard of is you know uh-huh. recordings offline and stuff. Uh-huh. Everything else, you had tons of experiences. But, you know, up there where I grew up in northern Minnesota, they didn't make any vocals. If they did, they were just mimicking other animals because I never heard anything that sounded like any of the Bigfoot calls that I've heard subsequent to that, ever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, maybe that's why, you know, people just, you know, another reason that they're not tipped off to the fact that they're around because they're like, well, they're supposed to be making these howls and whoops and stuff. And it's like, well, maybe they're not doing that in that area, you know. Because this year uh-huh. I weren't doing it where I was living, and there were signs of all. There were tree structures all over the place. So was, you know, uh, like obviously they were there, but you never heard them make any noise that betrayed that they were there. There was a there was a time a few years ago. I lived in this another town, just south where I am in central Wisconsin, and I I heard this uh, owl outside, and it, it didn't sound it, it sounded like a big owl, you know. Like a and um, yeah, it sounded like a big owl. There was a there was a park there was a park across the street where I lived, and then it was the the river, the, the Wisconsin River was over there, and there was some islands out there and stuff. But um, it was coming from that direction. This this owl sound, you know, but it sounded big, you know, a big owl. Well, I didn't tell you this one, but. Uh, I uh, the next day I I was going out to the car, I saw these, I saw a handprint on my on my car window, and uh, it was like somebody with muddy hand touched the, the the glass of the back window. You know, it was big. You know, it was bigger than a human's hand. Um, but that that was that same night I heard this owl sound. You know. <laughs> so I'm wondering that could have been what it was then, you know. Oh, I, sure. I don't know. You know they, they're really I don't good know. At, they're, they're good at copying animal sounds, too. Me and the drummer from Swamp Ritual, of all people, have both been up in the same area up in Paddy Canyon and heard the same sound like three or four years apart and then com- <laughs> got on the subject and compared notes and went, oh, my God, you heard that, too? And neither one of us could figure out what it is because we were thinking, well, in the, in the area that we're in, this has got to be some kind of a local bird or something. It just sounds really weird because you're partway up the mountain. There's no, there's no water around there, but it sounds like a bullfrog that's like 500 pounds making a bullfrog croak every so often. Uh-huh. uh-huh. So it's so out of place in the environment. You're going, what in the hell is me? I'd hear it like four or five times before I even started to to, to have a, any kind of a clue as to what it was supposed to be. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was something sounding like trying to make a frog croaking type of sound, but, you know, so ginormous and loud, it was obviously yeah, probably was coming from the other side of the canyon, you know. So it's like, well, what's doing that? And it would be like every couple right. of minutes it would do one. Right. But that was, you know, it was kind of odd to hear this owl that sounded way too big, you know, mm-hmm. noise. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? It was just sounded like it was too deep and 
loud. Yeah, exactly. Even if they get the sound really close, you know, or almost perfect or something, it's like somebody's playing it through a loudspeaker or something because it's just way too loud to be the actual animal making it. Yeah, you know. Um, but then I saw the, the handprint on the back of my window, and it was big, and it, it looked like, you know, it was muddy. Whatever it was, it had muddy in. It was big. I mean, this thing was big. If you put like a um, like a uh, like a baseball glove on your back of the car, you know, about that size, you know. <laughs> That's about so, that size, like the catcher's mitt, huh? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. That's about it. I knew I knew that wasn't some person's hand, you know, but it was uh, like somebody put their muddy paw and your muddy hand on there, you know. Wow. But, uh, that was the same night I heard that owl sound. But I didn't put two, two and two together, you know, until later, maybe. I don't know. But, but anyways, I was just going to say, yeah. that's the way it is with a lot of the stuff. You know, once you, when you get enough information on it, you can put these weird incidents together and go look at them and go, oh, that might have been a Bigfoot or something, because here's this, 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 this. It's all been attributed to Bigfoot in other areas and other encounters and stuff, and this all happened to me. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, that, uh, uh, can I go into um, talking about when, when I was a kid growing up on the farm? Please do. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, after years of these encounters that I've, I've had, you know, there's another encounter that I had uh, uh, with these things with the, the kids and their mother living north of north of this area, and I'm uh, not too far away. Um, uh, but anyways, they they had rented this house out edge of town, and uh, uh, one night uh, in the winter there, I came over and. Um, I smelled that snow again. Late at night, 10 o'clock, and um, I guess the neighbor just behind him was feeding deer. This is wintertime. Uh, he was feeding deer back there. Uh, and um, apparently there was one set up in that area. Because um, that summer, in the springtime, they heard this uh, something killing a deer across the road from them. They had they had called me up and told me about it. And it didn't sound right. Something was killing a deer. Making all kinds of noise it was. Anyways, uh winter came around and I came over that one night at ten o'clock at night and I smelled that smell again. And um apparently there was one set up there, um Talking those deer, you know, hunting those deer. Yeah. Wait, wait for the deer. Go across the road, you know. Just wait. Opportunity. That, he knows where the deer are going to and where they're going to be going. Yes, you know. I don't think that thing, you know, came across. It, it kept waiting for those things, the the deer to go across the road, mm-hmm. and um, that's where they 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 went to the north across the road. That's where the deer. We're coming from and going to. Oh. It was it was hiding, waiting, stalking them. But it was close. I could smell it. That same smell. 
But uh, I knew there was one there, and I had I had told them about it, but they didn't believe me, you know. So they didn't believe me at all. But, what else um, have you got over in that area that will even take down a deer? Do you even have any mountain lions over there? Are there any cougars over there? Oh yeah, we we just had a couple of sightings of cougars um, in the in this area just recently. They've been spotting okay. a lot of them now. Cool. In this well, area, not cool, but yeah. Yeah, they're around. We got them on cameras. Every, you know, there's getting to be more and more sightings of cougars around here. They figure they've been coming from the Black Black Hills area. Males. There have been filters well, in the area. A long time ago, they're coming over from there at this point. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we we've, we've got. There was one girl that I, that I know. She was going to work. She worked for this. Uh, so she worked. She was like an in-home uh, um, uh, nurse, at nurse or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Uh, she took care of somebody in their home, but she was on her way to. She was on her. She was on her way to her house. She drives in her driveway, and there's one sitting in her driveway, a mountain lion sitting in her driveway. Oh God! And uh, she says, yeah, "I almost pee my pants." He said. I didn't want to get out of my car, but yeah, she had, she had mentioned that she pulled in there, and there it was. And uh, people are posting pictures, you know, is this what you saw? No, no, this, this is exactly what I saw. And uh, that happened this past year. Yeah. Last year, I should say. But, um, yeah, we got them around. Cautionary tale for everybody that's living in cities and isn't aware of what's going on elsewhere. In some areas, the wildlife in the wilderness is actually coming back, not disappearing. <clears throat> oh, yes. We just had a moose sighting just north of town here. Um, Roman, Roman Marathon County, we had a moose. And uh, it, it filtered down from the UP of Michigan. And uh, But, uh, yeah, we're getting more and more different types of animals. We had a couple times, we had, you know, we had elk. Uh, I got elk now in northern Wisconsin. That's really uh, cool. You know, when I was a kid, we didn't have any elk anywhere around there. Minnesota, Wisconsin, none of them had any. So it's cool yeah. to see if they're coming back. Yeah. And, yeah, of course, uh, northern Michigan, they, they've had elk there for years, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. they got a big, healthy population there in northern Michigan there. Uh, yeah. Around the, yeah, around the there, Northern Michigan, well, Upper Penn and... Uh, Northern Minnesota was about the only place there was any moose when I was a kid. The rest of that area, there wasn't any. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, they they'd be. Uh, I think it was in the eighties. I don't know what year it was, but maybe eighty six. I'm not sure. I think that's when they had uh, purchased some um, twenty five or twenty six moose from Canada mm-hmm. out there in uh, Ontario, Canada. And brought them over into Wisconsin, into um, Wisconsin, I want to say. And um, they, they're doing pretty good now. So. Well, they should be. Northern Wisconsin's perfect for them. God, it's like, you know, why aren't they living there? That's ideal place for them to be. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, that's uh, a lot of cover up there. You know, the woods is huge. But, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and well, anyway, cool, they, except for when you get too close to them and they, 
<laughs> kind of like self-propelled bulldozers sometimes, but. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, all the wildlife—it's all coming back, you know, all that stuff. Yep. But uh, so no, no surprise in an area where you've got elk and moose and mountain lions and things like that. That oh, like maybe there's Bigfoot here. Oh, surprise, right. surprise. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'll, you know, years later now, I've I've uh, I know now what what to look for or what what they smell like. I can drive down the road now, and and oh, okay, that's a skunk, you know, mm-hmm. and go further down the road somewhere else or whatever. Oh, there's one, you know. Yeah. And um, this is where I'm getting to my next encounter. The real actual sighting of one of 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 these of these things. I was coming back. This happened here, um, Easter day 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 after Easter of last year. I was coming back from Michigan, uh, driving. I drove through the UP of Michigan. I was coming back down, um, going down uh, 35, and I hit. Uh, 41, it's going south uh, from Marionette. It goes towards Green Bay. And um, I got off at uh, the exit of um, where Abrams, Wisconsin is. And that's off of uh, one, it gets on, you, 41 goes, gets on, you get off, you get on 141. And as soon as you get on there, you get off on high, Highway County, County Highway E, and it takes you takes you to the west. Well, not more than a mile and a half, I I started smelling this that same smell, you know. I was like, geez, there's one around here. So I was looking around, you know, looking both sides of the road, and I looked to the north, and there was a field about 20 20 deer in there, seen in this uh, green uh, um, wheat field. You know, it's just wheat, winter wheat field, and uh, they're eating it. And uh, as soon as I looked there, I turned, I looked to my left, to the south, and there was two of them. Sitting, uh, one was kind of like kneeling down, like on its haunches, and the other one was just standing there. The one that was on its haunches was like a, like a look like a gorilla, you know, arrow shaped. Mm-hmm. Its head uh, was kind of conical. You know, it, it, it was big. And then the one standing, that one there looked uh, more skinnier in the waist, but it had huge shoulders and uh, huge huge legs. Uh, what I remember, and um, but. Uh, that barrel, that barrel-shaped one had it was, it was kind of more like black, but it had like brown tint to it, mm-hmm. to the tips of the of the hair. And um, the one standing had the same thing in the middle, same kind of hair, but its its arms and its legs were more of the of the color of the dried grass around it, and its head was kind of like a sheep sheepdog's head, you know, with the hair coming down over its eyes. Mm-hmm. You could see, I could see that. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I was going about 60 miles an hour and I seen that 
well, there was a, I had to turn around, you know, my phone was, was kind of, uh, sent by me, you know, and I'm like, God, I got to take a picture of this, you know, so I turned around and I got back and they were gone, you know, like, son of a gun. How far you know? away from them were you when you went blazing by them? Um, they had to been about, uh, it had to been about 150, 180 yards That's from the road. Way, yeah. Well, you, you know, know it, it was, it was, it was, it was good enough. It was, it was close enough where I could see the shapes of them really good, you know, but right. I could not get really, really good detail on right. them, you know, right. but I could see the shapes of them real good. Yeah. But you yeah. could sure make out what it is, but you couldn't see the close-up detail on it. Right, yeah. I could tell there weren't no, you know, they weren't bare, you know. <laughs> no. Uh, but that one was, uh, it was on the top, it was on the haunches, with its arms dangling to its side, you know, and it was just like, like a, like a gorilla when it sits down, you know. It was kind of just sitting down like that, you know. But the, the other one was standing next to it. Uh you know, and they, they, they were big creatures, you know. Um, now, but, that um, probably be hard to guesstimate. Do you have any idea how how tall the one who was standing up was? Uh, I think the one that was on its haunches was bigger than the one that was standing. I to tell you the right. truth, yeah. the bigger the, the bigger one was like a big barrel, but that one there. Was on it. I I wouldn't know how high, but it, it just seemed like it would have been, because when it was on its haunches like that, you know, its head came up to like its middle of the, of the um, of the chest of the other one. Oh God, yeah, it was way bigger than. Well, the yeah. other one that you were looking at was built like heavy duty bodybuilderish yeah. and everything. But did he seem like he was more or less human size or did he seem like he was bigger or smaller than a human? Oh, he was bigger, bigger than a human. That's for sure. He was bigger, you know, yeah. uh, I'm guessing God, I don't know. Seven, eight feet. Wow. That, okay. that one that was standing. Yeah. That's and what, the one that's that, that Cause then the yeah. one that's like, Squatting down next to him, you can add like at least a third, if not more, of the height of the one that was standing up onto that one. Yeah, probably another th- third. So it could have been nine, ten feet tall. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yep, 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 yep. And that's how the big ones are built too. They're like gigantic squat mass. That I almost walked into one. It was about eight feet away from me, and it was six feet tall, sitting on its haunches, looking at me. I was eye level with it. When it was sitting oh, yeah. on his and his shoulders were about four feet across. Yeah, that's probably about the same size as what I saw. Yep. I would I would imagine something like, you know, those dimensions. Yep, and that's but, a big boy. It, it, <laughs> and you can just easily figure out what they were doing. They are watching those deer. Mm, here comes dinner. Well, see, <laughs> the, the deer couldn't see them because no. there was a field... On the north side is where the deer were, and um, it opened up again to another field to the south. But it was like um, the edge of the field to the to the to the west of that field where the deer were at was another woods, and then uh, to the south of where the deer were eating there was woods. But then it opened up into another field, so the deer could not 
could not see them things in the corner over there. You know, the deer, deer could not see them. Mm-hmm. So they had no idea that. But uh, I smelled these things way back further before I got to that area. So the wind had to have been coming from the south southwest, you know. Carrying their stank on the wind so you could smell them. And so these deer, could, these deer could not smell these things. No, no. You know. They're downwind of them. Yeah. Hey, um, I know at that distance it's not going to be that easy to tell or anything, but kind of curious how how long their hair appeared to you. Did it seem like it was like three inches long, five inches long, longer than that? Um, uh, I really couldn't tell, but it seemed like it was long enough where you could see that it was long, it was, wasn't, you know, it's three, four inches, you know? Yeah, you know? Uh, especially the one that was standing, he it had some really straggly looking hair on that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it had the color of the of the um, dry the dry grass around it for its legs and its arms. But it had its it had the same color as in the middle of its chest area. It had the same color as that one that was on its haunches. Same color, you know, it was black with the the, the kind of brownish, reddish, brownish tint to the tips of the hair, you know. It was, it was kind of kind of that kind of color. But um, it seemed like Great it had longer. That big one, that one standing, that one there, seemed like it had longer hair on its arms and its legs. Mm-hmm. And shorter, maybe shorter in the middle. And then something it had that hair that came over its eyes on its head. And then uh, its head was wasn't more conical; it was more more rounder on its head. The, the one standing that was kind of kind of different than the one that was kneeling that was on its hands. And down there had a had a con- more more of a conical head, you know, mm-hmm. um, than the one standing. So was, I'm just kind of curious about the the length of the hair because that's you know sort of the same general region as where I saw the. First one I saw back in '72, and I didn't, I couldn't see most of his body. He was hiding behind a pine tree, but I could see his face and I could see his shins. And his shins had really long hair on them. It was like shaggy looking. It was long. Yeah, that's the way. This 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 was too, you know, mm-hmm. long longer. But but in the middle of of its chest area, it seemed like it was shorter, you know, around its waist. And, like the arms and the legs, and I don't know what the back looked like, but and see the back, but yeah. the legs and the arms were, were longer than what was on in the middle of the of the torso, you know. So, but I, I, I had, you know, I looked at them long enough one 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 thousand two one thousand. I I seen them long enough where I knew what they were, you know, and. Um, so I turned around and tried to get a picture of them off my phone, and by the time I got back, they were gone. Of course. They're good at hiding. <laughs> so how how did it uh, how did it feel to actually see them after all these close calls over so many years? Well, finally, that, like boom, there it is. You seen them. Well, then I really got um, 
I really got in, you know, for the subject of Bigfoot, I I really got into the subject as a, you know, as a whole. Now I know, okay, they are, they are real. They are a real creature now. And I, you know, and it just changes your life, you know, when you see these things. Um, you, 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 you can go out to the woods and, you know, you're always looking around and you're more, you know, what, what, of what, what's around you in the, in the woods, you know, you, you, uh, uh, you're always looking for, you know, for signs of these things. Okay. You know, uh, because you know what the, what, what they smell like, you know what they sound like, um, and what they what what they do, you know. And a lot of your, your shows and stuff, you um, you see pictures of what they make and you know these these tree structures and stuff like that. Um, you just just you're more aware of their their habit, uh, their habitat, their and their their habits and. You know, you get a big picture of what these things are, you know, it's coming together now, of what these things uh, are all about and what they do and how they do it and what they eat and, you know, it, it, it changes everything once you start, when, once you see one of these things and realize they are real, you know. Yeah. Once you see these. Otherwise, you know, it, it was close, but was it was it that you know or you know what I mean? Um, I mean, it, it yeah, being a believer, you know, just on the face of the evidence or or citing reports or what my friends saw or something. Okay, I think I'm a believer. I think there could be a Bigfoot. That's yeah. a completely different mindset than okay, I saw one of the damn things are real. Trust yeah. me, these guys. Yeah, <laughs> it's a completely different thing. You know, I just like when I ran into these things when they were screaming at us, you know, I still, you know. I, yeah. You still could, there's plausible deniability. You could yeah, still convince could. yourself that it could have been something else. You know, maybe right. it was like a, a, a moose in heat or some other weird animal that I've never heard before. It could, but, you know, you keep trying to convince yourself could be something else. You were just mistaken or whatever. But then when you actually see one, and you know for sure that's what it is, that all goes out the window. They convince oh, yeah. yourself anymore. You know it's real then. Yes. Yeah, it, <clears throat> most definitely. I mean, that it, it changes everything. You know, now I go hunting, you know, I'm always, okay, I'm back in my mind now. I Okay, these things are all here. And, you know, but uh, you got to think, think, okay, I know what these things do, what, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you always got this in the back of your mind now. You're always cautious about things that you're going into the woods and you're, you're, you're looking for these things, you know. Right. And before, you had no clue that they even existed, you know. And uh, the only thing you worried about was a, was, a, was a wolf or, you know, or cougar or something, you know. I think the hunters and stuff especially should at least be made aware that they exist and here's the warning signs. So if they're in an area and they're getting, like, screamed at or something, hey, that's a warning sign that you're in a Bigfoot's territory and he wants you to leave. If you don't know anything about Bigfoot or that they're real, you don't know that. 
you can end up getting killed because of that. You know, yeah, that's, uh, that's there's cool. a huge X structure here with a leaner on it. That that's just a natural thing. Well, no, both those trees are upside down. They're full size trees. Oh, but I'm just going to ignore that because there's no such thing as Bigfoot. Where now, if you knew that there was Bigfoot and what that meant, you'd be like, oh crap, territorial marker, don't go past this. Okay, I won't hunt over there. Problem solved, no conflict. So there's like a lot of conflict, I think, between Bigfoot and humans is caused by the powers that be unwillingness to let people know that they exist so that we can know something about them and avoid having conflict with them. Right. Well, look at all the 411 um, missing people in this country. You know, mm-hmm. what happened to them, you know? Nobody yeah. knows. And it's always like, the, oh, no, if people know Bigfoot are real, they won't go out in the woods anymore. Uh, there's people out in the woods that don't that are trying to prove Bigfoot is real by going out there and shooting one, okay? It's not going to stop people from going out in the woods. No, uh-uh. There's people that go out in the woods and backpack and hike and camp and everything else in areas infested with grizzlies. It doesn't stop them from going out in the woods. So that's all BS. That's a BS argument. And as far as the logging argument goes, that's a BS argument because we haven't had doodly for logging in this country outside of the hardwood forests for 10 years now because it hasn't been economically feasible. Because Canada decided to put a 20% um, uh, government uh, subsidy on their logging, which meant that they can produce wood cheaper than we can cut it down and produce it for inside of our own country. So we ship it in from Canada. So all these forests out here that everybody thinks are getting cut down, they haven't been getting cut down for 10 years now. That's why they're burning down, because nobody's pruning them back and getting rid and making fire lanes or anything. So one giant forest connects right to the other one. You start one on fire, they all start burning down. You get 2 million acres in Montana burning down in one fire season. That's why oh, yeah, you, you guys so really matter. Oh, okay, tourism, it's going to kill tourism. Nobody will go out in the woods anymore. That's BS. Oh, and it's going to kill the logging industry. More BS. Until Trump just changed it and put a 20% tariff on all the Canadian woods so that it's no longer economically feasible to ship into the country. Right. Hey, we can make it cheaper ourselves now. We weren't cutting right. anything down over here. So well, where's we'll all this, you know, huge mm-hmm. money that we're going to lose on tourism and 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 uh, in, in wood farming, that we don't have, you know, it's no, that's just a BS argument. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Along, all along the Wisconsin River, we got, you know, there's a lot of paper mills, you know. We got a couple in the area around here. But mm-hmm. uh, those trains are bringing those, we, those trains are bringing those uh, train car loads of uh, uh, pulpwood down, you know, yep. huge, huge trains, you know, that, bringing them down to these paper mills and um i seen where they had uh they had a a place up there in the up where they where the trucks come and drop them off and then the, the railroad uh then they'll load them up onto the railroad cars up there and this place is huge i mean uh i don't know 100 acres or so all yeah. wood you know yeah. and getting loaded up on these train cars you know but uh and sent to the paper mills. But uh, yep. that's Yeah, that's we don't have that on here. We don't have that wood suitable to be made into paper. We don't have that. So that's not right. going out. Yeah. They they mainly you know, they mainly use that uh that pawful, you know. Yeah. This is what uh, we consider to be like junk wood. Yeah, it's pawful yeah. isn't good for anything other than burning in your fireplace. You can make paper out of it. And it grows yeah. back real fast, so no yep. big deal. Mm-hmm. 
But uh, that's what grows up there in the UP. That and uh, and the um, the pine, the pine trees. Yep. Yeah. That's pine it. trees which really don't grow fast, and they shouldn't be cutting down. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. Um, yeah, we uh, um, touched on a little little bit on that uh, on the uh, subject of you know the smell and all that stuff, but, uh, um, and, uh, that last, uh, um, encounter I had with those two Sasquatch over by Abrams, over by Green Bay, um, yeah, you really realize you, 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 you get hooked on the subject, you know, after you see it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I, uh, I do a lot of, a lot of listening to a lot of shows and, now that I, you know, I, I've seen them, you know, and and try to get as much information I can on these things, and and then uh, after hearing some shows, and uh, I'm like, wait a minute, when I was a kid, I've heard these things, you know, some of these people they were saying this and this and that. I was like, I had this happen when I was a kid, you know. Uh, you get that light bulb goes off above your head moment. Ding! Oh my God, that happened to me. <laughs> yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, um, you know, back in the seventies, I grew up on a farm there in Michigan. There, back in the seventies and and early, you know, in the eighties, there um, it was different back then. There was many more farms. There were still operating small farms, mm-hmm. and um, so. And everybody, you know, a lot of ki- a lot of farmers had a lot of kids, and and um, this is back in the seventies and in the eighties, and um, but yeah, in our area there, there was quite a few small farms in the area. Everybody, all these farms had, you know, they had chickens, they had cows, they had horses, and you name it, you know, on their farms, and. Um, there was a lot more woods back then too. In yeah. The area. Lots of more woods. And uh now, you know, a lot of these big farms they had cut down a lot of the forest and and uh and they have uh cut all the all the um the woods down around the the the, the drainage ditches. So they can have their um their uh irrigation. Yeah. Irrigation systems to to go through there, you know. And uh, but anyways, um, yeah, we've had we had uh, a lot of weird things that happened on the farm. Um, I remember Dad, you know, bitching at us that uh, you know we didn't close the door on the barn one night or or. <laughs> Or blame you know, for Bigfoot breaking in the barn. Yeah, and uh, you know we get a we get our butts chewed the next day for not close, you know telling telling us to close the barn door when we thought we didn't. You know we did. You know, and um, uh, a chicken coop. You know the door on a chicken coop. You know be open or uh, just a lot of strange things. You know at night. Uh, you, you, summertime, late summer, early early uh, fall, 
you could, you know, a hot summer night or whatever, you could smell that smell. And mm-hmm. I know what it is now. You know? Yeah. Uh, exactly. we, always thought it, we always thought it was skunks, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I used to, used to smell that. And, uh, well, see, on the farm there, we had we had a lot of apple trees. We had pear trees, plum trees, peach trees, okay. cherry trees. No wonder they were there. Uh, we, had, we had grapes growing. We had, oh. we do, I remember Dad uh, had a little acre of, acre of uh, pickles that he would uh, plant. And um, we used to go out there and pick the pickles and take them down to this to this uh, uh, like a like a uh, service station, like a gas station, and they had this pickle uh, sorter in there, and uh, they would pay you money for the pickles, you know. And yeah. You would pick. That was that was back in the seventies, you know, that was a long time ago. But uh, on the farm there, we had everything, you know, cows, you know, we had. Chickens and um, pigs and just about a little bit of everything back back in the day. Horses and um, but uh, yeah, I remember one night uh, something hit the side of the house. You know, I was just a little kid. I was upstairs. Something hit the side of the house really hard. I got up and I looked around. I couldn't see nothing outside. It was dark. And um, I didn't see nothing. But um, there was an apple tree right next to south of the house where this thing, whatever it was, hit the house hard. You know, it hit the house hard. It was almost like if a lightning struck nearby and you hear the house shake, you know? Yeah. After after the, 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 the lightning, um, the thunder came and hit the house. But anyways, uh, um. Yeah, I didn't know what what that was. You know, I looked around. Everybody's sleeping. You know, uh, sisters, brothers—they're all sleeping. Nobody fell out of their bed. You know, or anything like that. So um, I didn't know what it was. I was just, I was just a little kid, uh, late seventies, and you know, must have been about nine years old or so, eight nine years old. And um, there'll be times where you hear that somebody like talking, but you couldn't understand it. Right. Kind of a thing outside. Like mumbling off in the distance yeah. or something. Yes. And that would be around that, that same time, you know, in the 70s, 80s. We had all those apples and everything around the house. and But you'd hear like mumbling, somebody talking, but you couldn't understand it. Mm-hmm. And um, and you you just you just be free you froze there just listening to this you couldn't move you're listening to this what the heck is that out there making these noise you know who's talking out there you know um but uh, recently my dad just a few years ago said he had the same thing happen to him just a few years ago he told I had told him that. A few times that it had happened. He had that happen to him. He says, yeah, is it somebody out there like that? You know, you can hear them, but you didn't know what they were. He got up and didn't see nothing, you know. That's kind of a weird, weird situation. It's the same place, you know. 
Does he? Does your dad believe that there's such a thing as Bigfoot? Well, after you know, I've been talking about it with him and and um, telling him our you know our encounter that we had and and um, now he's starting to think back you know when he was a kid though somebody like somebody chopping wood in the in the woods and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, maybe, the woodsman. You know, maybe you know he. Maybe, maybe it is. You know, he doesn't. You don't know, but uh, he's getting to the point where, you know, that you know, they saw that tree that was the bark ripped off it and stuff. You know, what would do right. that? You know, yeah, he's high up there ripping ripping the bark off. And um, no, that's exactly what it, the trees. I don't know if you ever seen the Skullco video I did where he got the giant fifty or sixty foot tall X structure made out of entire lodgepole pines but if you look closely where we're showing footage of that look at the trees around it on both sides from like 40 to 70 feet up there there's a bunch of bark missing and all these trees around it not branches just bark right that's just that's what what he he had shown me that one day we went to for a ride and he had shown me that tree you know and exactly what you said you know 30 40 feet up it's you know, it's all the bark is is missing. You know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's it's pretty odd. And then you have it like right next to this giant, obviously synthetic structure, and you're going like, okay, these two may very well be connected. <laughs> yeah. And that's all that same area, you know, same same area. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that's well, that's uh, that's um, that's what. Uh, you know, back what was happening back when I was a kid, but um, there's, there was a neighbor that, uh, I remember when I was a kid, I went over there, uh, well, us kids went over there, we used to hang out with their kids, and and I remember going over there, and there's chicken feathers all over the yard, and um dog was this, very next to dog. And um, what, what these people had was a camp for, for a chicken coop, and um, they had a dog tied up to it. Big old Mal, a Malmu, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Dog, you know, on this 50 foot length chain, and it was up to the, you know, hooked up to this camper. And um, I remember going over there, the dog would always. Bark at us, and we make sure we're we walk way around it because it was it was a dog that he I you didn't want to mess around with, you know. He was he was a guard dog, dog, mean dog, yeah, yeah, you know. But I remember that one day, and all the feathers all over the over the yard, and no dog, you know. What happened, dog, you know? But they never he never said what, what, what had happened, you know. With that place, what 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 would happen, you know? But um, around that same time, um, my sister she had rabbits. Something got underneath of the cage, ripped the cage open, and took all the rabbits. Not a, not a rabbit left. Something went in there, took all the rabbits out of there. Um, it's a, you know these these cages are heavy gauge wire, you know. Right. What what could go underneath and 
rip all, rip the rip it open like that, you know. And take all the rabbits. Where do the rabbits all go, you know? They're gone, you know. Yeah, you that's, it almost says like something with hands had to have done that pretty much. Yeah. If it was uh, a wolf that was like ripping the cage apart with its fangs, some of the rabbits would have got away. There would have been bloody mess all over the place. Where the yeah. rabbits go? Yeah, there was nothing left. Something, something got in there and just ripped it open. You know, it took. He had to take a lot of strength to do that. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember. That, oh yeah, all those, all those rabbits gone. And my sister, just before they were gone. She had taken them to the fair and showed them, and you know, these are prize rabbits. They're gone. And uh, really shortly after that, yeah, we had this dog. He was uh, he was part. Um, I think he was like part uh, Alaska Manu and and uh, wolf, something like that. It's, that's what the people that when we got him as a puppy said he was. But um, on one day, he uh, he was underneath this granary, and he wouldn't come out. And next to the granary, to the north of it, there was this uh, deer hide sitting out there next to the granary. Whatever it was scared him so much that he would not come out out of this granary. Um, what the heck? Who, who brought that? You know that deer hide. You know where'd that come from? You know. Yeah. Uh, he's sitting there, and he's under there scared. And this dog was a good guard dog. You know, he yeah. yelled, bark at everything, stuff like that. But, um, yeah, something scared him. And then a few few days later, he was found three miles away at another farm. What the heck? How the heck did he get from our place all the way over to three miles away? How, how'd that happen, you know? He was off, off the collar, you know? And, uh, he was found three three miles away at this other farm, and over on this other farm, they did some uh, chicken butchering there, and so wow. they left all their they left all their scraps out in this field out, out back there. But um, I have no idea how he got there, or what 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 had made him go out there? Was he following something? Did somebody something carry him out that way? You know, I don't don't know. You know, yeah, it's really a mystery. Weird. It's a mystery. And um, but uh, yeah, there was a lot of lot of strange things that they had happened in those areas that people don't talk about. You know, about what what goes on around there. Um, because they had basically they a lot of people just don't know what. What what happened? You know, right? Um, they have they're they're uneducated of of the subject, of its behavior, what it does and stuff. You know, um, well, they, 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 pass, they pass it off, man. That's all, it's they pass it off as something else. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
you, you can't be hard on them. It's all guesswork at this point. You know, we're doing the best we can trying to gather the information, but <clears throat> certain people are not wanting us to let let people know. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that, it makes it tougher. Back in the seventies and eighties, the neighbors' dogs would be barking at night. You know, nobody really. You know, dad would get mad and yell out. To, you know, you know, tell the dogs shut up. Neighbors' yeah. dogs down the road. Who we didn't know, you know. And there used to be a there used to be a um uh, a hole in the in the side of the road where people used to throw their garbage and stuff back in there, you know. That was just right down the road. You know, there was just a hole but the the, the county came by and they sold to them one day and but uh there had to have been another site where maybe these things were visiting, you know. Well, like I told um, you, I grew up about a mile and a half, two miles from the county dump, and there was that area was swarming with bears all the time because of the dump being there. Uh-huh. It would surprise me a bit if the Bigfoot weren't around taking advantage of it. Yeah. Right. But, um, I mean, just like in our little area there, you know, we had, you know, neighbors, and we had a lot of animals, and um, there's a lot of fruit trees, and you know, it's just they had everything, and all these, all these, all these um, farms in the area. There was drainage ditches that lead from the around these farms back to to the Cass River. And the Cass River, and the Cass River led right back into the state game area. You know, and the state game area was only about seven miles away. So. If, if 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 they did, you know, come up, it wouldn't take them long to get there and do what they had to do and get back right away in one night, you know. Right. And um, that that's not very far, really. To think about it, you know. And they they use these rivers and creeks and, and drainage ditches. Um. Um. And travel corridors—that's like their road. Yeah. System. They. They interconnect everywhere, you know. Yep. And uh, and back in the day, it was there was more woods and stuff, and yeah, they they could hide a lot easier back in the day, you know. But um, yeah, that that's what happened. I think uh, they were using those those drainage ditches to to travel around to farm to farm. Because yep. um, one day and. I think it was back in 81, 1981. Um, my brother come in from the outside and said, hey, you guys got to listen to this. And um went outside, and this was like, uh, I think it was either you know, fall time, I think it was. Anyways, uh, he's like, listen to this. And there was this screaming going on down the road in this pine plantation. And... Um, Every once in a while, we'd make this scream, and it was a it was an odd scream. It wasn't wasn't right. And um, the next day, I remember there's a drainage that's to the south of us, and every time it got to a certain spot, the dogs would start barking in that area as it was going it was going from west to east. And every time I got to a certain area, dogs started. The dogs in that area would start barking, or whatever it was in that plantation over there, screaming its head off. Was 
was traveling from west to east on that drainage ditch. That, um, yeah, when the dogs start going nuts and barking like crazy, that's you know they're not imagining things; they're barking at something. <laughs> uh huh. Sometimes you get dogs that are like barky, barky. They'll bark at anything. Tree branch moves, they bark at it. Yeah. But in general, if you've got the dogs, and especially like all the dogs in the neighborhood going nuts, there's something. There's something yeah. there. Well, yeah. It's usually, you know, it's usually pretty quiet, you know, but it was always at night. Or, you know, that time when that happened, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, at nighttime, the dogs in the neighborhood would, would go nuts. So these things were these things were traveling around, you know, and these dogs knew it. Yep. And they were letting the owners know that those things are out there, but nobody ever knew. They just thought these dogs had a problem of barking, you know. <laughs> yeah, they got a barking problem. Whenever Bigfoot gets too close, they bark at them. They're just <laughs> barking problem. <laughs> the dog's doing his job. He's supposed to be an early warning system. You just can't take a hint. That's the problem. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, brother. Did you have anything else that you wanted to mention? Because clearly we're going to have to have you back on the show again, and you can keep us updated on what's going on over in your neck of the woods there and get new uh, report sightings and stuff in over there in Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota. You can let us know about it. But uh, was there any, any other ones that uh, you were directly involved in that you wanted to bring up? Uh, not not right now, but, uh, yeah, we could uh, – Definitely get together again someday, Duke. Uh, I, I appreciate you having me on the show. Um, you do a lot of wonderful things for people. A place to go to to talk about stuff like this. Uh, you know, it's a place you don't get ridiculed about um, of your encounters and stuff like that. So I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me on your show. And uh, hey. we'll talk to you later then. You're very welcome. I'm, you know, the the honor and the pleasure of having you on the show is all mine. And I appreciate the fact that you contacted me and were willing to come on and talk about your experiences and some of the follow-up that you've done on it around that area because, you know, that's that's where I grew up, northern Minnesota, that whole upper Midwest area, very well acquainted with it. And it, to me it's just sad that, you know, here it is 2018 and the people over there are still so you know, ostriches with their heads buried in the sand going, there's no such thing as Bigfoot. Uh, sorry, folks, there is such a thing as Bigfoot. They live over there. Break out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, most, most definitely uh, people are listening out here. Don't be shy to come and, uh, you know, talk to some of these people there that, 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 that like, like Duke here, you know. Uh, it, it helps, you know. I mean, uh, you know, it does, does great, you know. I mean, it, it helped me out. Um, it's therapy, believe me. So, and even yeah. if you don't want to, yeah, even if you don't want to come on the show, I still would yeah. like to hear your story. And it's always an absolute body of knowledge that we have. Like the one little detail that we got during the show tonight that I've never heard anywhere else before is somebody actually witnessing a Bigfoot harvesting grain, okay, <laughs> right off the stalk, eating it. Uh-huh. That's the sort of details that you get from people, you know, even like a basic schmasic encounter, you don't think there's anything to it. There could be some really important little detail in there that we're going to get from that encounter. So it's worth it to share any encounter that you've had, any kind of Bigfoot-related experience, because all of that information, we put it together and we get a clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer picture of what they're up to, what they do, and how they go about doing it. 
And without all of those, um, you know, firsthand encounter sightings and whatnot, we wouldn't hardly know anything about these things. They're incredibly difficult to pin down and get information on. They don't want to talk to you and do an interview. They hide from you, you know. So uh-huh. this is like probably the worst critter on earth to try and do research on because they're actively avoiding you as much as right. they possibly can, and they're smart. So it makes it really, really difficult. So for people like me that are sort of on the borderline there in between being interested in investigating this whole thing and digging up all the information that I can and providing people with a platform where they can come and talk about their encounters and share them and stuff, um, you know, we just wouldn't get very far if we didn't have people that were willing to come forward and share what's happened to them and tell us what their eyewitness encounters were like and what happened to them. That's what, you know, moves things forward and people having willingness to share that information, whether it's like on a show or just, you know, tell somebody about it. Um, it really helps things. And the more people that know about this, the lower the ridicule factor is going to be. So you're helping everybody else in the future too because, you know, they start, they get bombarded with so many Bigfoot things from so many different angles, it's going to become at some point impossible for them to just close their eyes and go, nah, 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 it's not happening, when everybody else around them is going, Bigfoot this, Bigfoot that. Hey, I saw Bigfoot when I was a kid. You know, right. and maybe it's just got to get that saturation level before people will actually be able to, like, open their eyes and go, okay, let's take a real look at the data. Uh-huh. You know, you know, just like in uh, Tuscola County alone, there's only 440 40 reports in that county over the past few years, you know, mm-hmm. and nobody talks about it, you know, nobody yeah. talks about it. No, because there's some areas where it's like, you know, there's, there's 40 reports on that. <clears throat> Let me give you an example. According to the BFRO database, there's only a little bit over 40 reports of Bigfoot in Montana. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, so if you don't report it and report it to the specific person that's, you know, of course, documenting it, their database, then, of course, there's no reports there. Uh-huh. No matter how many sightings there may have been, there's hundreds of sightings in Montana. People aren't reporting mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's There might be over 1,200 reports in Michigan oh. alone or more. That's, people just exactly. Don't, don't, that's what I'm people saying. Just don't say anything. Yeah. And, and, the, and the higher the ridicule factor is in a certain area, the lower the report numbers are going to be. Right. And in this area, that isn't the case. The, the case here is the, the sort of indifference. It's why they're living here in the first place are Montanans. They kind of don't care if the outside world knows or believes that Bigfoot's real. They'll know. Who cares what they think? And that tends to be, a, apparently, from what I've gathered, the same sort of attitude up in Alaska. It's like all. Almost all the locals outside of the cities know that Bigfoot's real, and like, so what? And they just don't talk about it. So, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, we're not going to tell the outside world. Some of those screwballs might show up and want to research it or something, and then they'll come up here and infest Alaska. Don't tell them. Ain't that true, though, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird. You've got the areas where it's like, there's no Bigfoot. Nobody believes that. And then you've got the other areas where everybody knows it's real and they just don't talk about it. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of like some of the areas I, I, where I grew up. You know, there's there's a lot of a lot of reports in those areas, but they, there's a lot of people just, you know, just blow it off and, you know, don't even, don't even talk about it. And, you know, it's kind of like... Uh, so some of these areas that they have a lot of 
encounters. It's just a, 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 another normal uh, everyday life event that goes on, you know. It's just another yeah. thing. And it's just, people just don't talk about it because it's yeah. happening all the time, you know. That's apparently what it's like up there where Grizz lives up in northwestern Montana where, you know, it's like, oh, how'd your day go today? Oh, I saw Moose on the way to, to work. What happened to you? Oh, Bigfoot was right in my garbage can. Oh, really? Oh, no, average day, huh? Yeah. <laughs> just that sort of thing and of course that's that is one of the areas where it's limited but there still is some logging going on up there so then there's all the lumberjacks up there that have all kinds of stories too and i'm going to be having one of those on the show here shortly who's uh actually grizz's son-in-law lumberjack and he's had some bigfoot related stuff to tell us about so there's another example you know it's like they all know what's going on they're just not talking about it usually uh-huh Oh, they are. Yeah, that's cool. And they call them timber apes, the lumberjacks up there. Them darn timber apes. So, <laughs> that's their name for them. That's, their name for them. Yeah, that's what they call them up there? That's what the lumberjacks call them. They call them timber apes. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the lumberjacks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's been going on for hundreds of years. The darn timber apes keep messing with them all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're running low on time, brother, so we got to cut her short for this episode, but we'll definitely set up to have you back here in the future, and you can collect some more uh, some more data from around the area that you're in and share it with everybody. I'm sure they'd appreciate it. Um, you know, as I'm, you probably gathered at this point, I'm setting up sort of correspondence in certain regions of the country and other parts of the world that are interested in this that are going to be paying attention to what's going on in their area, whether they have any contact with me or not and then have them on the show every so often to update everybody else what's going on in their part of the world. So this way, you know, in regular rotation, we'll be getting getting around everywhere every so uh-huh. often and get updates right. on it. And I've already been doing that with, like, uh, Caveman down there in New Mexico. He sort of covers that right around his house in that area and keeps us up to date on what's going on down there. We've got uh-huh. Jack down in Australia to do that. Um, uh-huh. So he's going to start doing reports from up in Alaska. So join the uh-huh. little club. Get on board. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Big D, thanks for showing up. Thanks for telling us all about all your encounters and sharing uh, your experiences with us, man. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure everybody out there has just had a great time listening to it. Yeah, and, my uh, pleasure there. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show again. So I'll definitely try to get back on, on here with you and see what else can we can conjure up and talk about. Oh. No problem, brother. Yeah, if I get any on the boots ground uh, on the ground reports from over there, you can be boots on the ground and go investigate them too, and that'll be handy. Is that <laughs> that kind of weird stuff does come up where somebody will be on like the other side of the country and go blah 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 blah. And this man, this is going on right now, and I'm like, yeah, I don't know anybody over there that I can send to go out there and take a picture. <laughs> I'm sorry. So this sort of does help things a lot, actually. Um, you know, it would have been handy if we would have had. Uh, a hit team that was available to, over there in Indiana apparently earlier this summer, uh, see mm-hmm. previous episode, uh, but didn't know anybody like that, didn't know anybody that I could send to help them. Lynn had to give them advice and let them fly on their own, and they did good. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> more networking equals more safety. That's my my opinion. And, well, uh, <laughs> and on that note, Everybody be kind to everybody else. Help people as much as you can. Safety first, last, and always. And whatever you do, God help you. Do not pet or hug the Wookiee.
Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you soon. Okay, and that's it. We're done. Okay. That's it, then, huh? It's probably, once I chop out the beginning part, we're probably right around two hours, maybe a little bit over even. So that should be good. If you can get pictures of those Google images of those locations that we were talking about to go with the show, it would be friggin' spectacular. Because you've okay. already got a lot of great pictures that you sent along. So between that and the images where I can just go, you start talking about a place, boom, there's the Google image with the arrow on it. Here's where he's talking about. And then I can show the ground shots that you've got from around there. If you, uh-huh. you know, if you have them, here's the building, here's this, whatever. Uh-huh. Uh, so what I could actually, do, what I could do is uh, maybe go to the library and um, get the computer up and Google and get these yeah, places up. And just, just take my phone, just take my phone and take a picture of them. Yeah. Would that whatever. work? Sure. I mean, whatever it takes, as long as you can get a halfway decent, clear picture of it, man, that's all that it takes. I can manipulate the hell out of it. Just give okay. me a picture. Give me an image. Okay. Uh, get, we'll we'll get somebody at the computer to show you how to do a screen capture, whatever it uh-huh. takes. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what I need. But, yeah, then I can put it together and I can make Because, you know, I want a good visual presentation to go with my show, too, which is one of the things that's different about my shows and the other podcasts because we actually have the visual element. Some uh-huh. of these shows, shit, there was a lot of video that went into it, too, you know, and people... Uh, just the one Sunny did, she was actually talking about being at this area and filming it while I was showing the film of it. You know? mm-hmm. So stuff like that turns out pretty epic, and other shows aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to do that, stay ahead of the pack, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you... Again, you know, like I was just saying on the air in the recording there, having you out in the Midwest actually documenting stuff there and keeping us up to date on what's going on, that's mm-hmm. one of the things that I've been planning on doing. I'm, oh, I'm yeah. setting up correspondence in other countries and other parts of, the, of this country so that we can uh-huh. do regular updates from regions, upper Midwest, uh-huh. Southwest, Alaska, Pacific Coast, um, you know, Australia, Russia, uh, whatever. Uh-huh. But, man, I tell you, you know, around here in the Midwest, a lot of people, they just don't realize what's out in their backyard, you know? You, um, no, you're absolutely oh, right. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I never knew these things exist until I saw them. I saw them. You suspected heavily that they existed, but then you saw them. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, holy shit, they do exist, you know? You know, I I had all these encounters, but didn't didn't have a body, you know? I had the noise, I saw the foot, I, you know, what the hell, you know? But uh, Everything short of actually seeing one, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I know how it is. I put the cart before the for- the horse. I got to see one yeah. up close and personal before I, I knew they existed. Yeah. You know, like, everything they t- every, everything they told everything they told you as a kid is a lie. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was ten years old. Hey, you guys told me monsters don't exist. And look, see that right there? That's a fucking monster. They exist. Yeah. You know. That's oh, not even know. like a normal Bigfoot. It's a fucking monster. It's got teeth that look like a bear trap. That's a yeah. fucking monster, and they're real. And there it is right there, and it's daylight. Uh-huh. <laughs> there was a story on about that, wasn't there? Somebody had, one of you guys had a story about that, where where, where some kid saw, saw saw a real monster. Oh, where, no, what was, um, 
Kumbo or um or what the heck is that uh the guy on uh, Outlaws? Uh Bear or Kumbo, one or the other. Yeah, one of the bear or one of the two. He had mentioned there that he when he grew up he had a farm or whatever and he would see this thing, you know. And he had he had mentioned on one of the shows that, you know, about what we were just talking about. Everything he had told me as a kid was a lie, you know. <laughs> there was one right, there was one visiting at the farm. There was one visiting, you know. Yeah. So he seen it, you know. <laughs> now they him and Kunbo both grew up with them. They had them like around both of the farms that they lived on, they had them around there. And they were hearing them and mimicking their calls, and that's how both of them got to be good at Bigfooting because both of them know what their calls are and how to mimic them. So they yeah. can fake them out and get them to show up and think you're a Bigfoot. And then when they do show up, they're really pissed off because you just fake them out, which is why I don't use that technique, but they like it. Yeah, that's a good, that can be a real... They can turn on you in a hurry. I suppose. Uh, yeah, that's why you they know, have their know. cars aimed outward and are near them. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Because no, sometimes they have to jump in and beat ass out of there so they don't get killed. Yeah, no thank you. Yeah, no, uh-huh. that's not the way I do bigfooting. I do no. it a really scary way. I go out there by myself in the dark, no campfire, no music, yeah. and sit there near I, where they're at. I I don't even know if I could do that. After you know what what you've seen and you know. It didn't bother me when it, it, it didn't bother me before when it screamed at me and stuff. It did, you know. It's just like it's just like what the hell, you know? What the heck is this, you know? But you know, uh, and then after you uh, seen one, then it changes everything. Yeah. You don't call. You don't call anybody. Uh, you don't call anybody names or ridicule them. No, I'm the one that gets ridiculed. You know. Yeah. But, um, well, I know the feeling because when I started out in the Bigfoot community, it was the same thing because I had seen one of these oddball sub varieties that's rare and nobody yeah. else knew what the hell I was talking about and they all thought I was crazy. So I, not only did I get everybody ridiculing me, I got all the Bigfoot people ridiculing me too. That was uh-huh. pretty great. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what did you see then? What? I had four when to go. What did they look like? Got a face kind of like an orangutan, only with way bigger eyes, further apart, and teeth like a bear trap. Claws. I wonder. I wonder if this is what was down here, and um, over here, because that guy described what he saw was like that—the big eyes like that, and a, you know the color of the hair, and mm-hmm. you know, and it, and it, and it ran, and it walking like a like a like a orangutan. He's it, you know. Walking fast, you know, but it was huge. Well, they're around there because you know, that's where I saw the one that I saw was up in northern Minnesota, about 15 miles north of Duluth, and uh, mm-hmm. gray, gray and white, long hair. Uh huh. Is that where you went sledding? Yep. You guys went sledding down the hill, and yep, and that was the last time I ever went sledding there. <laughs> <laughs> so no doubt. That what? was a lot of sledding around. It got to be used one time, and then we abandoned. How, how old were you back then? Ten. Ten. 1972. Oh, yeah. Second week yeah. in February, and interestingly enough, I just did some 
research on, went back and checked, and there had been an all-time record cold snap in the county right next door to us two weeks previous where it hit minus 52. Oh the day God. we were out sledding was at a balmy minus 20, which wow. is why we were out sledding thinking it was warm because, you know, compared to minus 52, it was warm. So, Boy, that, that was cold. Yeah. And there's this, you know, weird connection legend-wise about the uh, Wendigo and super cold weather. And here it is, you know, 52 below. Two weeks later, I see a friggin' Wendigo. <clears throat> okay? Uh-huh. 20 below out, and you see one of these things. Yep. You know, so I figured it was safe to be out in the middle of the woods. It's 20 freaking below. There's not going to be anything out wandering around in temperatures like that. Wrong! Uh-huh. Well, you guys were all the there. Natives, those fucking things go out hunting during blizzards. So, yeah, bad weather and cold has no fucking hey, effect on it. Hey, you were out there. <laughs> yeah, but we're, you like, bundled up and shit. We're like, normal animals don't move around when it's 20 below. The, you know, the, the the hair and stuff, you know, what, it's got to be in the, they, they must have some sort of a system kind of designed like um, like a bear or something, you know, where it can slow down and its metabolism and stuff. I don't know. A researcher, you know? Up in, a researcher up in Canada that's doing research on Wendigo and Gugly up there, and they actually work for the government. They do um, take care of large predatory animals for them. So interesting tie-in there. Sometimes the large predatory animal isn't a known one. <clears throat> but they got a sample of hair that's uh, they think came from a Wendigo, and it's hollow. So if you think about, like, hollow fiber-filled jackets and shit, how nice and warm they are, because they got that little yeah. extra layer of air in there. And nice. so that could be how they're staying nice and warm. Also, a hollow, no, uh, having no, uh, no uh, what do you call it, no, no, no thingy on the inside of it, no stem on the inside of it, a towel. Um, and, and that color also makes them sort of translucent. And they were looking at this hair and comparing it, and I told them to check this out. And right away over there on the phone, they went and checked it out. And sure enough, if you put it next to any color in a light source, it takes on that color. Oh, yeah. So in the daylight, when it's standing next to a tree that's green, that part of it is going to turn green and look like the tree and break up its silhouette. So, Interestingly so, so. enough, the other thing that keeps getting mentioned about Wendigos all the time is that they don't cross water, they don't go in the water, they don't fish, something about water. Okay, well, if you've got hollow hair and your hollow hair gets filled with water, what happens? All of a sudden, it's got no insulating properties, and you probably get some kind of a fungal infection from mold growing inside of it. Oh, so yeah. this also matches up with why do people only run into these things during the winter? Well, Let's take northern Minnesota, 30,000 lakes. During the summer, you couldn't move around there very much if you couldn't go across the water, but during the winter, it's frozen solid. Go wherever you want. It's 52 uh-huh. below. Everything's frozen solid. Let's go south and see what's down there. Uh-huh. But, um, yeah, those, those type there, like you were mentioning there, uh, those are the nasty ones, aren't they? Yeah, they they fucking eat people. No ifs, ands, yeah. or buts about it. They're not friendly. You can't carry on a conversation with them. They're not going to sing Kumbaya. Don't hug them. They'll eat you. Yeah. There's yeah, a, they're extraordinarily there's, vicious and bloodthirsty, too, a, according to the legends from up north. Well, it has to have been the same thing what's going on over here in Menominee County. They have a they have a river over there, and it goes through the county called Winna, uh, the Winna, um 
What'd you call that again? The Wendigo River. Wendigo River, yeah. yeah. That's that's what it's called right there. There's lots of lakes and rivers and stuff in northern Minnesota that are named Wendigo too. Even uh-huh. just little areas. That's <laughs> that name got around a lot. There was apparently Wendigo hunters in Minnesota in the early eighteen hundreds, so go figure. Oh yeah. But um I want to know about these Wendigo hunters and how many Wendigos they bagged. <laughs> Not the human ones, the Wendigo, the actual Wendigos. Mm-hmm. But there's there's something going on down there in Lower Michigan. I tell you, there's something vicious. It might even be a dogman, you know. Well, they know. definitely they got dogmen down there. You got dogmen all the way up to Central Wisconsin at the very least. Well, we so, have yeah, they're, 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 they they cited them around here. I yep. guess. You know, yep. um, actually, down by where I work in those areas, I think it's on one of these X X uh, file books or whatever, uh, Wisconsin X files or whatever. Mm-hmm. Somebody had seen one in the area down just to the south of me where I work. Work at Mullins Cheese, you know, cheese plant. You know, and, that whole um, dogman phenomenon started around Bray Road, Central Wisconsin, there with Linda Godfrey. She's the first yeah. person that took any reports on it and started talking about it. Yeah, yeah, that's it's about uh, yeah, that's down by um, Elk Elk Elkhart. El, El, Elkhorn. Elkhorn or Elkhart? Yeah, Elkhorn, Elkhart. Yeah, Elkhorn, Wisconsin. Yeah. Blue Mound. Is that what that the area called? Blue Mound area. Something like that. Sand rings a bell. I'm not really yeah. big on the dog man thing or up on it that much. I paid. I actually got to do an interview with Linda Godfrey sort of by accident because I was on Sasquatch Chronicles co-hosting with Wes when he talked to her, and I asked her a couple questions about dog man just uh-huh. to eliminate him. The dog man make tree structures? No. The dog man do this? No. Okay. So no, no confusing them with Bigfoot. Hey, I got a question. Dan Nadrino. You know him, right? Who? Dan Nadrino? Yeah. Nadrello? Dan Nadrello. Nadrello, yeah. Yeah, he's the one that helped out with the Sasquatch Chronicles, right? No, Will Jevening is the one that used to be on Sasquatch Chronicles that ran like a rat escaping a sinking ship as soon as there was any doubt about Wes's encounter. Ah, okay. All right. That's what it was. And Wes just did a really great new version of his encounter for uh, the one-year anniversary of the Confessionals podcast. He was on the beginning of it, and retold his encounter, did a great job of it. And then they had a bunch of celebrity guests on the end, including Tim Renner, who was just on Sasquatch Chronicles, and me, and Wes. So if you want to listen wow. to the after show, we're both on there, too, and I get to talk about Mountain Giants some more. You know, I like that uh, he had the interview with uh, Bob Gimlin. That was, that was pretty good. I like that place. No, Wes has done like three or four interviews with Bob Gimlin. I haven't had him on yet. I need to have him on my show because we have a lot in common. We're both crazy, so we can find uh-huh. him. Okay. <laughs> be kind of nice to meet all you guys someday, you know. I mean, that'd be, be cool. I got to meet Bob Gimlin this uh, fall. He was here at the Big Sky Bigfoot Conference, and I was hanging out in front having a cigarette, talking to one of the presenters. And Bob uh-huh. came walking across the parking lot, gave me a big smile, stuck his hand out and said, Howdy, partner, how are you doing? <laughs> oh my god you know of all the improbable fucking things to happen it was like way more possible that I would see Bigfoot and film him than I would be standing in a parking lot Bob friggin Gimlin would walk across and go howdy partner how are you doing you know? and stick out his hand for me to shake it 
And I was and expecting he, to stand in line for an hour to even get him to sign an autograph, not have him come up and introduce himself. <laughs> right. And then, and then there's to think about, you know, like when I was a kid, I seen that photograph, you know, in this book, you know. Yeah. And uh, see, that's him, you know. That's, yeah. That's I know, I've been looking at that for 50 years, too, and it's like, my God, I'm shaking the hand of the guy that was right there when this fucking picture was taken. This is cool right. as hell. <laughs> yeah, right. That's what I would I would be thinking, you know. No doubt about it. Like, fuck that cigarette. Hey, how's it going? <laughs> I want you to meet Bob Gimlin. There's no doubt in your mind that that's real footage too, because there's. I don't think that guy could lie. He put a gun to his head. He probably well, you can see so. the mechanics of this thing. That no, you know. Yeah, and like he it, said, he was closer to Patty than Roger was. He got a way better look at Patty than Roger did through the camera lens. He could see the muscles moving beneath the skin and the, you know, the whole thing. So it's like no way was that a costume. He's 100 percent clear on that. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, just the way it moved, you know. Yeah. Well, it's you know, a gigantic size too, you know. It's over yeah. freaking seven feet tall. <laughs> yeah. Well, they was, they uh, seven, seven foot six? Is that what they figure it was? Seven. I think Bill Munn's uh, guess is between seven two and seven four, and they know it was around seven hundred pounds just by the depth of the tracks and the impressions that it left that they casted. They pressure oh. tested it a few days later to ch- check the substrate and see how much it took to press that bar. Blah blah blah. Yeah. 700 pounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> not a guy in a suit. No friggin' that's, way. That's a big girl. Oh, I never run into a girl that big. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, she's a little girl. Only <laughs> seven feet tall, only 700 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, like with uh, the, the thing that Wes uh, and his brother ran into. No, they ran into some, some big boys, too. And then you got, like, Taylor, who interacts with Scooter pretty regular scooters shit nine and a half feet tall and weighs at least 1200 pounds so patty's just like a little pipsqueak compared to him yeah hey if, if you ever listen to that show um eyewitness uh eyewitness bigfoot you ever heard of that with um vic uh condiff, vic condiff? yeah that's a big yeah. spin-off show where he wasn't getting enough dogman encounters he decided to do a bigfoot show too yeah but <laughs> yeah anyway, I've, heard, he, I've heard a couple episodes he, he, I think it's either I think it's episode twelve or thirty-four. It's about um, in Michigan here, Lower Michigan. There's a um, an interview with a guy that he bought himself. He bought some land. He built himself a house on there, and um, these things were showing up around there. And one time he he was there in a tent and and playing his music and stuff. And all of a sudden he just started getting bombarded by by um, uh, pine cones and whatnot, and and he'd say, what the, you know, and he'd say he started mim- mimicking him, what the, you know, and uh, I'm going to get you, you kids, he thought maybe it was the kids and neighbor kids, and but then as time went, he had a house going up and stuff, so I wanted to go across the, across the, um, the, the patio door, and he thought it was a, a bunch of, crows or something, you know. So they looked again, went outside, and here was one of these damn things going into the woods. So he's like, i got to see what the hell this is. He went running after it to see it, you know. And then um, he he, uh, he he was going to go over a hill, but um, he went over a hill and he said, well, I better not go. He might be waiting for me on the other side of that hill. 
when he came back to the house. But yeah, he was mentioning how um, he was up there and he he he, he had a tree house or something he was making for for hunting or whatever. And uh, these things are watching him in the in the bushes, a mother and two little ones. And they, he said, yeah, that one had a stick, you know. And um, he said, uh, yeah, it was going to come out of the, it was going to come out, you know, uh, a little bit further out, you know, towards me. And then the mother said something. All of a sudden, the two little ones just started jumping up and down like they were having a tantrum, you know. And then they, <laughs> and then they, uh, and then they hid, you know. And uh, he says, well, he says, i got to get my camera. So he went back in the house to get his camera. He left his hammer up there and, and uh, a can of beer, you know. He said he'd come back, a can of beer, and and the hammer was gone. And, um, and he left him that stick. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a fair trade. That was a fair trade. Yeah, when they were in his camp there, you know, and, he said he liked to play. He was in a band, so he had a guitar, you know, he brought along with him. He says, yeah, one of the damn things stole his guitar. He says, yeah, he, uh, they, took my, they, took my, they took my hammer and my can of beer and, 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 my, and, my, and my guitar, you know. <laughs> Bastards. Yeah. Some, some Bigfoot sitting out there beating on a tree with a hammer while the other one's playing a guitar and, and shrieking <laughs> off to him along with it. But that, that's but that's, that, but that's in that same area, you know, down there yep. in that in that area, you know, that show that he did an interview with. It was pretty good. Mark, Mark something. Mark, uh, Mark. Uh, his name was Mark Marcel. It sounded like a, a Italian name, but oh yeah. As a matter of fact, interestingly enough, that's the guy I was standing talking to when Bob Gilman came walking up and shook my hand. From, from Michigan. Yeah, he was on Sasquatch Chronicles. Yeah. He was on there too, huh? Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, he's investigating uh, dangerous Bigfoot encounters. He did a show where he was talking about an investigation he did on uh, uh, Fred Beck, Ape Canyon. But hey, i got to get going here because until we hang up, it's still recording and if the file gets too long, it's going to crash. So okay. we literally need to hang up. Okay, sounds good. I'll talk to you right. soon, buddy. Thanks for doing the yep. show. Yep, you too. Yep, bye. Bye-bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.